Does everybody know what time it is? School time. Listen, I I realize. Okay, I'm just gonna up front. I I plagiarized that. We've used that one before. Okay. Uh, okay. So. I mean, well, what? I mean, this will be reflected on your permanent record. I mean, we take plagiarism very seriously at this podcast. <laughs> will that affect my scholarship opportunities? I, I'm I'm afraid it will. You're going to have to get really good at soccer here on Grunt Work. slows down for a second, takes his time. You know, these tools are yours if you remember that they are mine. And when everybody's telling Brad he has no time, he proves them wrong again. Yeah, it might be all that Brad gets. Yeah, this might will be it. But heaven knows he'll try. Here on Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that brings orange slices for everybody after the game. I'm your host, Truman, the soccer it to me, man caps, and with me as always is my co-host, Landon, the soccer balls to the soccer walls, man Solano. <laughs> Landon, I forgot that I'd written that nickname for you a week ago, and uh, well, it's good to see you. <laughs> it's good to, good to see you, too. Uh, I'm surprised you were able to get that out of your mouth. Uh, uh, excuse I me, sir, you... <laughs> You know, let's just get into the the first fact of this episode, which is that uh, I watched the episode that we're going to be talking about tonight a week ago in preparation to record a week ago. And then due to um, some force majeure stuff, we had to cancel and postpone to this week. And, um, you know, folks, I I take we we don't have to be coy about it. I mean, this this whole podcast that we've done for seven years has been a time capsule through a fucking pandemic, among many other uh, politically tumultuous (laughs) times. I think we can uh, add Canadian wildfires to (laughs) to this. I think when when, uh, you know, in 100, 200 years when they they've fixed climate change and people go back and listen to these little artifacts to hear the world slowly dissolving uh, in on. real time dream on they yeah, will uh <laughs> they'll they'll be appreciative that we we charted the actual reasons why we weren't able to record so the I, wildfires I, from canada made the aqi here uh air quality um i think it, it peaked at 248 uh Ooh. in in madison which was worse but it, it lingered, which was worse than anything I'd experienced in L.A. when I lived there. Uh, maybe not in number, but like longevity. In mm-hmm. in L.A., it was like, oh, the air quality is not good today. When we recorded last week, it was like not good for a week. And mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. barely speak. My yeah. throat was so dry. I was coughing all the time. It was it was not good. Now, see, the the reason that I was not saying Canadian wildfires is because you you texted me, I, I, I can't speak right now, it's so bad, and I thought, oh, poor Landon has a cold and he's lost his voice. I did not connect, because here in L.A., the air quality is about as bad as it usually is, but it's not, like, we're not getting, this is like the first summer in so long we haven't had wildfire smoke, so for me, it's just like, I am... I completely forgot that it was happening to anybody else anywhere in the country, anyone who I care about. And so now knowing this, I am so retroactively concerned. Landon, I'm sorry. I hope you're okay. 
<laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Um, I am fine, and I I feel kind of shitty. I feel like I feel like a bad neighbor in that like I'm I'm over here in my house going. <laughs> Excuse me, neighbor, your house burning down is making me cough a little bit. Uh, you know, I, it goes without saying, I wish Canada wasn't fucking on fire. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, those but, people have been so nice for so long, they do not deserve this. That said, uh, it, it was deeply affecting me uh, last week, and um, uh, things have been pretty clean since then, so here we are. I, okay, well, that's then we fixed it, right? The the climate change has been <laughs> it's solved. All over. Yeah, it's it's not a problem anymore. I, you know, <laughs> open open the time capsule. We're done. <laughs> I'm recording this. We're well, not not just I. We are recording this the day after the Fourth of July, and I live in a neighborhood where our favorite national pastime oh, is people going out in the streets, lighting off about seven thousand mortars, and then running away. So I'm just I'm sucking down big old. Uh, cumulonimbus clouds of uh, gunpowder <laughs> smoke right now. I I have had a million conversations about Fourth of July with people over the last week. It's a it's big here in Wisconsin, as you can imagine. It's big uh, in North Hollywood too. I I haven't met anyone who likes the Fourth of July. No, the Fourth of July is like the Florida of holidays. <laughs> it <laughs> it's it's only for the people that. Just want to do what they want to do, no matter what. And if you try to, I don't know, hinder them or they feel like they're being hindered in any way, they just like jump down your throat, you know, uh, yeah. talking about their patriotism and you can't stop me. And I don't know. It's it's, it's awful. It's a real above ground swimming pool kind of holiday. I, I, I have to say, <laughs> I, I think that, um, yeah, I've never I don't think I've met anyone who likes the 4th of July, but I sort of just attributed that to living in hippy-dippy L.A. and talking to other liberal snowflakes. No, but you're, you're in the real America, and people don't like it. Yeah, well, I'm in, I'm in Madison within Wisconsin, so I am <laughs> the in real the hippy-dippy city of the, the state. Yeah, Wisconsin's uh, L.A., yes, true. Yeah, um, but it's... it's a, you know, obviously, it's not good for animals. They they no. don't respond well to it. It's not good for veterans, or not all no. veterans, but some veterans who have PTSD. It's just it's not good for the environment. Yeah. <laughs> and oh no. What I don't like about it, it, I guess this is just us airing our grievances for some reason about the Fourth of July in it's our like last five episodes. Yeah, we're going hard against America. Worst country ever. <laughs> Fuck it. You've been but, listening but, to an anti-American podcast this whole this time. The- gotcha. <laughs> you burnt. I, I think if people have been listening for seven years, they kind of knew it was heading in this direction. Yeah. Um, the uh, w- we I ended up going to fireworks last night. Um, now we have in Madison two big lakes, uh, yes. Lake Mendota and Lake Minota, and easy to mix we those were up. S- sitting on the southern edge of a lake where all of the fireworks were on the northern side, mm-hmm. and so what that meant was we could see them, but we couldn't hear them, and there wasn't a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to kind of have a pleasant experience watching these colorful, you know, little lights in the sky. <laughs> Granted, it was still like, is this worth staying up past my bedtime for? Anyway. Um, <laughs> how long the, was what, the show also? How, 20, how long was about it? About 25 minutes. And and you needed every minute of that, right? <laughs> that, that Like, the, the, the story that progressed over the course of those lights flashing in the sky it was, was it was really rich. less 
it was less about the firework experience and more about making new friends. And I was Aww. happy to stay for that, for that, for that reason. But, uh, okay. So long, long roundabout way of getting to my point here about the mentality of the people who love the 4th of July is there was, you know, a family, uh, there, um, and there was clearly the father just loved fireworks and, <laughs> and things. And mm. we're sitting like, I don't know, five feet from a, a bike path. Mm-hmm. And I would say not 10 feet behind us, uh, without letting anyone in the vicinity know, he lit firecrackers right behind us. <laughs> love it. Love it. Beautiful. And Never like, stop. Mother Never f- stop, Dad. That that level of I can do what I want. It's the fucking Fourth of July triggers my anger, and it there's not a lot that triggers my anger. My ire maybe, but not my like see red. I'm gonna punch you in the face. Anger that really got me close. Yeah, to just yeah. out of nowhere have an explosion go off ten feet behind you with no warning is like go fuck yourself monumentally. I I I fully agree and but I am at the same time so fascinated by this psychological specimen like I I want to see this guy at a concert like just really being into like blues traveler whoever he's listening to and then just busts out his own harmonica in the back and starts wailing a completely different song just cuz like yeah I love the shit that I'm seeing I want to do the shit myself <laughs> that, that's funny you know, he, he goes to uh, he goes to see a production of The Seagull, and he gets just so amped up by it that he starts doing Brothers Karamazov in the back <laughs> row, because it's just like, no, I want to take part! I want to take part! <laughs> I've got a killer Uncle Vanya! Um, <laughs> but you reminded me of something that has nothing to... I mean, okay, you know, I'll save it for off, off mic. It, it, it has nothing oh. to do with anything, but it, it just has to do with human specimens. And Oh, uh, man. Oh, man. Guys, you're going to miss out on a great conversation between two friends. We were we went and saw Indiana Jones, and the gentleman next to me was just a rare breed. Anyway, uh, oh, just just a little teaser, just a little hint. Don't don't worry, guys. I'll 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 text all of you later on the group chat and tell you what Landon says. <laughs> Maybe we'll tell you what we'll do that as our night's episode. Uh, Beautiful for our next night's episode, so people Beautiful. listening can get it. It'll be uh, the topic will be um, you know movie theater experiences or, or you know yeah, odd fine. behavior at the movieplex. <laughs> I love it. I love that we're calling our shot on the main episode, saying what our <laughs> what one of our last ever Patreon bonus episodes will be. Guys, you have only a couple more months to give us a dollar, and and, and I don't want you to miss that chance. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Anyway. But, uh, okay. Did anything else happen to you though? Maybe something involving the outside of your house? Oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, since we forgot, we took last week off. I I have had some time separated since I've completed the stairs. And um, people that have followed us on Instagram, uh, I put it into the stories. Now I said I would do it live, do live Instagrams, and it, I, that quickly didn't ambitious. work. I, yeah, I tried, but I'm like one person with a camera. And trying to do power tools, it was like there was Come safety on. concerns, and it just wasn't going to work. So T- Tim Tim Taylor frowns upon you. That is the wrong <laughs> attitude. Well, I've got I've got the I've got Tool Time acting as the devil in one ear, and I've got MythBusters, which I'm also watching, uh, talking up safety in my other ear as the angel. And I'm like, you know what? 
<laughs> this is this is my home. This is my potty. Uh, I I think I want to invest in some safety here. So uh, I just documented rather than uh, you know did anything live. But uh, you know um, we we all we all appreciate it. You got to protect yourself. Yeah. So uh, yes, uh, the the steps are one hundred percent complete and painted Oof. at this point. Wow. And um, used up less screws than I thought I would. Oh no! How many how many extra screws do you have now? Well, I'll I'll have them for the next project. That's the good thing. Okay, but but you haven't told me how many is it in excess of a hundred? How many how many? No, screws? there are only one hundred in the box. Okay, well that would be a real fuck up if you bought a hundred extra screws and didn't even open the box. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I got maybe twenty twenty five or okay, so. Okay, good number of screws. That's enough for. A project, I think. Take my word for it, I guess. <laughs> well, they're, I mean, they're specifically outdoor screws, so they'll probably just be like, you know, helping to secure what's already there uh, over the coming years, but... Yeah, that's good. Well, hey, you know, with, with all the, you know, between wildfire smoke and snowstorms and humidity and everything, you got to start screwing things down just to make sure they don't, you know, get <laughs> uh, get blown away and all the, you know, that yeah. crazy Midwest uh, Midwest weather. Uh, I will say the one thing that, uh, I, I knew going into it and knew coming out of it, uh, but I got a little loosey goosey once or twice Mm -hmm. and wish I hadn't, uh, was the sunscreen. Uh. If you're working outside, make sure you got that sunscreen on. (laughs) I love how, how much of your home improvement talk and how much of your home improvement lessons that you've learned are all just kind of about safety and basic housekeeping stuff that tool time has never even touched (laughs) okay you ready for this because i i two days after i finished i had an epiphany for what i would want out of a tool time episode okay okay hit me with it okay picture this you've seen it your entire life you meet a like man's man you mm-hmm. you meet not even tim the tool man taylor not even an al borland but maybe someone more like of the b boys mm-hmm. you yeah. you meet them at a party maybe it's your uncle maybe it's your friend's uncle and you're at a backyard barbecue you're, and you're at a militia shake... training center or something yeah <laughs> you go you shake their hand it's you know a, a cast iron grip that breaks mm-hmm. your bones Love. but you notice their hands are calloused you notice mm. that they have permanent uh, paint or tar or dirt under their nails. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a tool time episode on how do I return my hands to status quo, i.e. soft boy, uh, <laughs> after doing a project. I had paint on my nails. Uh, my nails were scratched. Uh, or paint on my hands, I should say. My nails were scratched. Um, you got just blisters on all- your fingers. <laughs> got- <laughs> Thank you, Ringo. Uh, yeah, and I'm like... I, despite scrubbing and and it, it just like took the 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 I don't know the force of time to like my skin's just growing and the dead skin is peeling off the the paint nah. <laughs> that's how that's how the paint is getting off me how do I how do I short of bathing my hands in turpentine and bleach how do I get this you know off me well that's yeah, what I want you- a tool time episode on hand I, care uh, look I can I that feels to me so real in my head already because <laughs> Tim is rolling his eyes at it the whole time and doing a lots lots of you know upsetting impressions of of women Al is completely taking the lead talking about 
all the things that he does and all of the lotions that he gets from his mother to make his hands soft and, and nice after a hard day's work. And then Tim is going to be roasting it, but then Heidi will come by and touch his hands and go like, oh, Al, your hands are so wonderful. And then Tim makes some kind of face. I, I, I don't know. I, does, does that does that count? Do you feel like you, you got that content already? Just It's sort of an Ikea tool time episode. Yeah, well... I... I'd still like to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. All right, fine. So I'm not so Maybe. me <laughs> loosely describing it isn't as good as seeing the no. real thing. Wow, you cut me deep, Landon. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to picture the the guys from this old house doing it, uh I, which I think would be somewhat even more satisfying because I wouldn't have the the commentary from Tim. I I mean, well, and honestly, it it also feels like the sort of thing they'd have the K&B guys on to talk about, because there is one episode yeah. where Rock or Pete is showing how to how to clean your nails with an old nail, basically, to scrape stuff out from under there. So th- clearly it's on their minds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the whole thing, how do you get how do you get the shine back in your nails? How do you keep Oof. them trim? How do you what are the dangers of having untrimmed nails and doing this sort of Ugh. thing? Like there's a there's a whole lot of hand care content that can come from tool time i mean look this is i think i think we got to reboot it man we got to do tool time but for real and i can be i mean listen you 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 can be the actual knowledgeable one i'll be the buffoon who just stumbles around talking out his ass and except you can actually talk about real stuff that people who improve their homes need to do that folks that's our next podcast congratulations you've you've cracked it uh cool so moving on Okay, well, that great. All right, bit concluded. Um, <laughs> well, do do we want? Is it then that time that we talk about what happened this week on home improvement? Brad is still injured, but there's a soccer scout from UCLA. He does risk playing, and has a scare when he falls, but ends up just fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Tool Time, Binford demands only tools made by Binford Tools. <laughs> I've I've joked about this before, but in this case, I really mean it. That that is the episode. Really, you've you've kind of you've done it more efficiently, and the fact that we're going to spend a lot more time talking about it is sort of a joke. Um, yeah, that's that's true. That's very true. Um, yeah, indeed. Uh, that's what the episode is. Do you want to guess that title? Yes, I have three options. First option. Okay. Brad Lasso. <laughs> eh? I know you don't watch you know? TV. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. I know this is where the character came from, actually. Before that ESPN short, it was based on this episode. <laughs> uh, next option. Ankles away. I mean, I guess An- he's... Oh, anchors away. Ankle. Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, got it, he, got it. But was it did he break his leg or was it his specifically his ankle that he broke on the stairs? It's his it's his knee. Oh, he's so been, he's sustained a knee injury. Uh which okay. is what we've talked about for the last eight episodes. Okay, you know, no, okay, okay, I'm I'm going to change that one on the fly since we're all just kind of improvising tonight. This is called okay. Five Kneesy Pieces. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We should do improv more often. I'm I'm, I'm cooking tonight. Uh, all right, <laughs> I like that one a lot. And last option, troubles brewing. B r u i n. Truman, are you fucking with me right now? A- am, am I? Wait, am I? Am I fucking with you right now? Are 
Oh, I'm asking. Are you fucking with me? Am, you have to tell, like, like asking if you're a cop. You have to tell me. It's it is in the Constitution. Uh, well, no, no land, and I can tell you under oath, I am not fucking with you right now. The name of this episode is Trouble a Bruin. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh my god. Landon, we're actually going to finish strong. We're going to end the show better than we started it. I actually am getting good at this. Oh, my God. I, I'm wondering, dare we put the Chalupa Challenge back on the table oh, one dog, last time? Dog, the Chalupa Challenge is just the road to madness. We were we were going out of pocket, <laughs> sending people, like, Venmo <laughs> for $2. We, we've never had a nice, clean one. Now, yeah, well, it, was, you... it was... Can you, resist, out. can you resist the urge to move the goalposts closer to me for no reason <laughs> if we do it again? That's the real question. Well, the, the, I don't need to move the goalposts. That's why I'm asking if we should because you got one of the hardest. I, I never would have thought you would have guessed that title. Uh, you know, some someone lives in my house who went to UCLA. So okay, I, well, I have a little more advanced notice on this one than than most people would. Not, not. I mean, just in terms of uh, U- the UCLA calling themselves the Bruins, but not that you would pull that into a title. I mean, not that Home Improvement would use Bruin as a title. I, I mean, it does help that I have, I that I don't apply any logic to it whatsoever, such as when I suggested that the name of the episode would be based on a TV show that came out 30 years later, or a... <laughs> <laughs> or or a play on the navy hymn that actually or the the you know the navy song that actually has uh no bearing on the injury that Brad sustained. So you know sometimes you just sometimes lightning just strikes, right. you know. I I now someone brought up recently that did we have a clean chalupa challenge uh <laughs> back on <laughs> Love's Labor Lost Part 2 and I felt while technically we got the ER game, I got the grunts, and you got the title, I felt like that was a little bit of a cheat, and granted, we aren't playing the game uh, just because of the title. It's like it's clear what the title was going to be. Mm-hmm. This one, I feel like it it, the, it troubles a Bruin, and that trouble is the Chalupa Challenge. Okay, well, Landon, let's just, you know what, let's let's put it out there and let's just see how the rest of this thing fares. But I, I, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm down, I'm down. If we, if we, if it, if it happens, it happens. Let's go out sending all of our listeners more chalupas. But, uh, well, not, okay, all of our Patreon subscribers more chalupas. I don't want to falsely advertise the way this challenge works. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, so great. Trouble a Bruin yes. aired May 11th, 1999. <sighs> Directed by Andrew Zhao, who we haven't seen since uh, your favorite episode of season seven. My favorite episode of season seven, which was, you tell me. I, t- you think I can tell you that, Landon? I was just talking to you <laughs> off mic about how everything I do on this podcast gets deleted from my brain after I, I after I export to MP3. I'm trying to. <laughs> trying to fire up those synapses for the Chupa challenge later. I I, uh, I I just I came up with I came up with the title, Landon. I guess that title. My synapses are doing fine. You need to fire up your synapses to make sure you get the grunt count right. Uh, Rebel without driving privileges. Oh, nice, great. Yeah, I love that episode. Yeah. That was my favorite episode of season seven. Yeah. So while Andrew Zhao was huge with us in season three and four, um, he hasn't. This is his only episode this season. So. Wow! Uh, welcome back, and and thank you for your service, Andrew Tsao. Yeah, uh, happy Fourth of July. It was written by uh, Tracy Gamble and David Maples, who we've also 
uh, talked about here on Grunt Work before. Truman, how did you feel about this episode? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was an episode. Like, I, I felt... I felt like scene by scene, this was a clever episode. There was good dialogue, and there were funny bits and good running gags, and and the story was overall compelling. And I think that this is kind of a sort of a real shit episode where it's like, yeah, your kid is into sports, he injures himself, you want to protect him, but you need to let him spread his wings and fly, which is all compelling. And I like seeing an episode about Brad that isn't just about Brad being dumb or Brad being horny, but where he's like actually kind of you know, maturing and and, and accepting yeah. risk and things like that. Um, but at the same time, the, the pacing of this episode was just sort of weird, and and soccer doesn't look great when it's filmed for a three-camera sitcom on a, on a super <laughs> low budget. It's just... Not, and half the episode is, is low-budget soccer footage. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that this episode makes good use of our time. It makes sense that this is one of the last few episodes we've got, mm-hmm. so I don't feel like our time was squandered, but eh, wasn't my favorite. How did you feel? Yeah, it wasn't bad by any means. Um, I do feel like they're wrapping something up, something big up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they are possibly... Now, you're going to have to remind me, because I've <laughs> since I watched this last week, I almost can't remember what happened the previous week. What Hasn't there been trouble a-brewing on home on tool time for a bit here well i mean i don't i no there hasn't really been any sign of trouble like the biggest trouble that was brewing was someone writing in and saying that the show doesn't do enough uh doesn't talk about tools enough because they spend too much time on magicians and shit like that which gives tim a little crisis of confidence but there's been no interference from bud at all up until now which honestly is kind of an indictment of Bud as oh, a CEO. Yeah, I guess that's it then. It, it's just been they've been deviating so much from anything tool related that it's just felt like it's been going off the rails. I, yes, yes. It feels like it's going off the rails now, not when they shrank themselves down to four inches tall and ran around inside <laughs> of a car. I, well, that's at least on topic. I'm talking like they're they're doing ski, you know, uh, buffing and stuff like that. Yes, they did. They did a, an extended lip dub music video with backup dancers yeah. and, that required <laughs> right. licensing a popular song from Greece. I'm sure Bud didn't like signing off on that expense report. Yeah, right. So um, that said, so it, it feels like they're wrapping up something, but they're also like potentially setting up a, a conflict because mm-hmm. this episode doesn't end with any kind of resolution to this Binford thing. Um, so it feels like they're setting something up for the, the remaining episodes here, uh, which I guess we'll see whether or not it plays out, but, um, yeah, yeah, it, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Like the, the pacing feels so strange and I was thinking about why, and I, I feel like ultimately the reason is just, they, they know that the episode, that the end of the series is going to be multiple parts. They have a bunch of kind of scaffolding they need to set up to support that. And so I think we're just going to have a couple of kind of weird, uh, oddly shaped, lumpy, strange episodes like this one to get us into that uh, finale trilogy. Yeah, and you know, I always wonder about this, not specifically with Home Improvement, but all shows that have run for a long time and are about to end, um, mm-hmm. when they know they're not going to continue but have more episodes to film, what kind of mindset that puts the performers in? Yeah, Um and whether or not that contributes to the weird energy you sometimes feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I don't, you know, certainly 
don't want to psychoanalyze and you know try to read into things that aren't there but tim himself kind of feels like he has a weird energy there are a few like performance flourishes i saw in this episode that i've never seen him do before not that they're good or bad just like there's a different kind of like energy to him that that i don't know could be nervous energy or who knows what just kind of miss you know energy you don't know where to direct yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can see it for certainly for Tim more than anyone else and just Tim Allen and where he was at in his career. It's sort of like feeling like, okay, I'm ending this sitcom on top. I've got movies in the pipeline. I was in Toy Story a couple years back. Toy Story 2 is he's probably recording audio for that or came out the close previous to. year, I think. Oh, uh Toy Story 2 was 98. I thought it was 2001. No, it was no. definitely 98 or 99. Well, then then shame on me. But How dare point, you? I, I can see him seeing this as like, okay, the show's the show's going to end and I got, you know, wide road ahead and the world is my oyster and maybe that's maybe that's what's coming through in a little more uh, unplugged performance. Unplugged, unhinged, unchained. <laughs> Unsomething. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's on something. Uh uncouth <laughs> at times like when he's asking people to smell his foam finger. Oh God! Um, okay. The other, I, there was something else I wanted to say about this. And I cannot remember what it was. Uh, nice, nice. I, I, t- I talked so long that you forgot what you were trying to say. That's uh, <laughs> that's finishing strong, folks. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Um, what do you say? Well, I, I I say we get into it. Let's 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 do the deep dive. Let's uh, let's weigh our options. Taking into consideration the life-altering, nice. potentially career-ending risks that come along with going forward with this episode, before we decide to throw it all, all caution to the wind and, and do the deep dive. Yeah, yeah. D- only now, <laughs> only now will this potentially alter our careers. Now, the all of the other material <laughs> we've recorded is going to be just blank slate. Doesn't matter. Uh, I I am hell bent determined by the end of this show that we do that I'm going to get through one of these deep dives without tripping over a word. <laughs> I believe in you, man. That can be part of the Chalupa challenge to just make it well, make it that then much we harder. Failed. Yeah, I know, I know. So not this week's, but we'll just have to do another one. Uh, so we open at Tool Time, where the Grunt Creep is ping ponging across the Tool Time stage. Pogoing. No, he's not. He's not ping ponging. He's he's pogo sticking. I don't know why I wrote ping ponging because yeah. that's a pogo pogoing. It's a very different thing. Uh, like Walt Kelly's Pogo, the uh, old comic strip about the South that is probably super racist. Um, so. Tim is late getting there because he stopped to pick up pierogies from stands. He gets there only a few minutes uh, before the shoot starts, and he finds out from Al and Heidi <laughs> that Bud has uh, uh, forbade them from using any non-Binford tools on tool time. Tim has repeatedly uh, ignored these orders in the past, but now he discovers that uh, Bud has come in and confiscated all non-Binford tools from the set. So they go out on set. Uh, Tim is showing how to do maintenance on uh, an old, uh, an old, you know, Austin mint. No, not an Austin. An old Mini, a Mini Cooper, a British car. It's got a Union Jack painted on the roof. And uh, Tim finds himself unable to do it without his Binford car diagnostic thing. Al tries to show how to do it using a uh, screwdriver, but Tim pats him on the back and winds up electrocuting Al because British cars have faulty electrical systems, as this show never stops joking about. um i i have to now granted we have four more episodes but i think that's as close to a uh awesome powers joke as we're ever gonna get i mean not even a joke but like the potential for a joke we had a mini cooper with 
the British flag on its roof. I, if, did, if it wasn't going to happen, if it didn't happen in that scenario, it's not going to happen. We saw we we saw this uh, Mini Cooper in an earlier episode, the one where Jill first gets the Austin Healy. Uh, it's at the car lot where she first finds the Healy, and we said then, "Oh man, that 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 Mini Cooper with a Union Jack painted on top was definitely used in the background of a shot of Austin Powers." So. I, I remember that. I don't remember my favorite episode from last season, but I remember, I guess, every time I've suggested a prop from this show might have been in Austin Powers. <laughs> Say what you will about that. Um, I also just sent you a screenshot. Um, oh because you, you say this episode opens with uh, Al and Heidi behind the scenes waiting for Tim to arrive, and he shows up with uh, uh, a box full of Stan's pierogies. Um, I just sent you a screenshot of Al looking... He's moving from looking out the bay doors at the audience to running over to Heidi, worried that Tim's not there. And in one of the few gaffes outside of like sometimes we see booms or or lights uh, above the set. Uh, this is one of the few times I've actually caught a, a gaff on the show where Tim the the camera moves over a little too far. We just see Tim standing in the wings waiting for his cue. <laughs> the, this this image that you've sent me is sort of ominous. Like it's like the three men and a baby. If you pause at the right time, you see the silhouette of the child standing in the window. Like Tim, Tim, is Tim the wasn't silhouette. even on set that day. Yeah, well, Tim Allen's been dead for thirty years. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is. He's just like he's haunting kind of the corner of this, waiting for his cue. <laughs> I mean, that's that's another that's another indicator that they were down to the end, and all the performers and the crew were like, "Yeah, well, summer vacation's coming up, or school's almost out forever." Really, I think in the future there's going to be someone who who is doing a podcast about this show, and he's going to think doing just okay is good enough. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's a totally unique belief that only I have. <laughs> um, so what I don't what is upsetting to me about this first is that tim has his own tool show and he would just casually be yeah so late that he is showing up like 30 seconds before he has to walk out on stage on presumably live tv no hair and makeup nothing and that b he comes in with pierogies for everyone hands them to yeah. other people who are about to be on stage in 45 seconds and they're just like shoving pierogies and they're just shotgunning pierogies <laughs> before going on camera well, lunacy. None of that happens, but um, well, he, so they, I mean, they eat they eat pierogi. Don't, you just say none of that happens. It's like I'm just making up the episode as it goes. I mean, no one. Al takes a nibble of one pierogi. No one's shoving them in their mouths. Most people ignore them. Heidi takes them off off camera. Tim comes in wearing what he wears on the show. So, I, I think to be a little more uh, forgiving of this, Tim probably was there before the show realize okay we got an hour before we're supposed to go on i'm gonna go over to to stands and get get this while he's already in hair and costume which is a completely separate problem and i'm not i'm not forgiving him leaving the set when there are people relying on him but um i don't, I don't know that it's quite as uh like tim just rolled out of bed and is rolling in with a box full of pierogies okay okay you know what look two two things here one yes it has been a week since i watched the episode so in my memory everyone is just just double fist and pierogies <laughs> that's what you would do yeah exactly exactly and then and then go and try to record something and maybe have issues but uh so and and look and you know you want to defend him you're right you know maybe he he already had his hair and makeup done and is just too dim to understand that i can't then go outside 
eat a bunch of pierogies, come back in and be good to go, that there will have to be last looks and retouching. Uh, it just, you know what, I wouldn't want to, I would not want to produce tool time. It would be an anxiety inducing yes. experience. Yeah. And as we found out, Tim does, does, he is a producer. I guess. Yeah, he is. <laughs> we, have, we have four episodes left. How do I not know that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, th- there's so much, there's so many details of tool time that, that will kind of fade into and out of reality from, from yeah, one episode to true. the next. Um, <laughs> What else? What else? I have I had pierogi thoughts, but those are now done. Uh, I love. They walk out. Heidi introduces them. Tim doesn't give Al a nickname. He just says yeah. Al Borland. There is an Al Pal super fan in the audience. I've never heard an audience member go, <gasps> yeah, as loud as an audience member. And I stepped away from the microphone. Uh, I, okay, just, good. Just you, not in, not it was, into the phone. Sorry, it was loud over the phone. But I'm glad. I'm glad you stepped away from the mic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is big applause. Yeah, I mean, it's Tim in a Tim in a costume kind of reaction, which mm-hmm. I loved. Yeah, yeah, no, fine. Like Al just being like Tim has to put on a funny costume and struggle to get through a door to reach the baseline of enthusiasm that Al just gets from people for being himself, and that's the world yes. I want to live in. Uh, that's the world we do live in. Yeah, so also, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I guess, well, I guess it's the world we live in in this episode, at least, or the world that the last five episodes lives in. Um, I don't, I don't know, so, okay, the show, Tim, Tim's big issue in the B-plot of this episode is, uh, Bud does not want them using non-Binford tools on their show, and Tim considers that, uh, he uh, he likens it to fascism at one point, um, and I I think let's I mean, maybe we just say this once. It seems completely reasonable that if my company were financing its own tool show, <laughs> yes. I would only want them to promote my products and only my products. Also, Binford produces sports balls and toy trains. Is yeah. there a tool they don't <laughs> produce? And if there is. Why are they producing sports balls, boxer shorts, and toy trains and not producing that tool? Yeah, like, like the fact that they don't make all of Tim's auto-diagnostic equipment. There's one tool that he uses to figure out what's going on with a car, I guess, and it's not made by Binford. How is Binford not making any of these tools? And also, how is Tim, a longtime, pretty high-ranking employee at Binford, not bullied and cajoled them into making those tools i mean there was there were whole episodes where he like he was upset about the quality of some of the tools that they were making and he threatened to quit or something over it that's right yeah i forgot about that uh it was a long time ago it was a long and more than a week ago um yeah that's well so this is where like we're at the end and i could feel there's a little contrivance i i think they're making a little bit of like they're bending the rules a tiny bit to make mm-hmm. the story work. Because also, like, when Al, who's over-eager, and I I love Al's, like, uh, Tim, Tim sarcastic asking the question, well, who wants to do that? And Al, like, puts his hand up and goes, I do. I know the yeah. answer. I got really excited. Like, I love, of course, always love Al. Of course. Uh, can do no wrong. But when, uh, when they turn the... the wall around on the tool time set in the middle of the episode and they find out that the diagnostic center which wasn't made by Binford was taken away 
Uh, and Tim's like, well, we got to do it by hand now, and who wants to do that? And Al is over eager to do it again. Tim like finds that dull, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess I guess that's not too out of character for him, but like, it's still a tool show. <laughs> like, I, mean, I guess okay. I, you know what? As I'm saying it out loud, I'm taking everything back. This sounds exactly like Tim. Yeah, he, I, I was any I, analog I was way say. of doing. I, the only thing that's not believable is that he didn't get up on a soapbox immediately. Uh, and just start bitching and complaining to the audience. Well, I mean, he di- he does start talking right into the camera about how crappy his boss is for taking away his tools, which, again, is a really bold move to make on the show that your boss pays for to promote his company. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's funny. It, it is always funny to see Tim be dismissive of... Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I I saw Al's hand go up over eager as I'm playing the episode in the background, and yeah. I also just got a thought, uh, and I put my hand up over eager. Um, oh, okay. Do you think if if we see more of this conflict, uh, there's going to be the line from Bud, the name's Bimford, not Timford. Oh, I I'd put money on that. Like that itself could be a chalupa challenge thing. Like if he says that, we all get chalupas. Okay, all right. By, and by we all, I mean you and I. We both have to go get them. Listeners, you don't get anything. Um, yeah, no. no that, that, Sorry. That feels like. But I also am questioning: Are we even going to see Bud? Do they still have that actor under oh, contract? Because this whole episode, yeah. he's not there backstage saying it. It's just like letters he's- they've got from him. <laughs> he's he's already on the military base uh interrogating elf. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Let's hope he uh let's hope he uses some extraordinary uh uh you know, enhanced uh, interrogation techniques because uh <laughs> we we need to get all that Melmac knowledge. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Have you got have you got anything else? I don't love seeing Al get electrocuted. That's that's never fun. No, but uh I think I, I personally have internalized the the feeling that this is a, a stunt show rather than they keep fucking up and uh now I that allows me to believe that Al Borland the character um approved getting in a harness and being shot backwards. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of funny to me. I, I I love you calling it a stunt show. Like this is something people see at Universal Studios or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, you, know, you can you can go to Waterworld, you can go to the Miami Vice stunt yeah. show, or you can go to the Tool yeah. Time stunt show. <laughs> you haven't heard of the Hamtramck cable access stunt show? <laughs> no, but I I want to buy all of their albums for one thing, and B I would go I would go to every taping of that if it were an actual show. Uh. Well, okay. Well, do you wanna uh, do you wanna just just blaze on ahead then into scene two? Uh, <laughs> scene two. Well, we got the theme song. I'm trying to find what the transition out of this was. Electricity. Tim, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tim. Tim charged into like a charred corpse, and then it goes to the nice the theme song. Nice. This is what's happening to to Al right now. This is what happens Jeez. to that one doctor in that Alf special. <laughs> God, he was right, a cinder. Um. Yeah, so opening credits, you know, uh, Tim turns into a sunflower, and we see multiple versions of the family still, popping up. Still, maybe one of the weirdest things on this show is Tim turning into a sunflower. I was—I I don't I, even I, feel, feel like of the flower family. That's what Tim would be. I—I real—I was thinking about that on this episode in particular. It's like, why that? Why is that the thing they chose to have happen? There's. It's it's like it's on it's on the order of the sledgehammer music video. It's like okay, I guess he turns into a bunch of fruit singing the song now. Okay, <laughs> like 
A hubcap, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He gets sucked into, like, he gets sucked into the engine of a car, spun around through it. He gets shot out the yeah. tailpipe or something. Instead of of just a an abstract contraption that he gets stuck inside of, he should become one with the thing he loves, which is a car. He yeah. and the car, be, they Christine each other and they turn into some sort other. of t- Tim Transformer. Uh, and Tim he becomes the thing that he wants to fuck. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, which I think dovetails that, nicely with his narcissism. Yes, uh, look, I, I think that I think that w- one of the Cronenbergs really could have done a whole lot with the uh, Home Improvement <laughs> opening credits, and it's a shame that uh, this Disney-owned network never let them try. <laughs> Uh, I have you seen Tatane? I have I have not seen Tatane. I've just heard people talk about Tatane, which is enough to know that I don't need to see Tatane. Uh, we can do a parody called Timane. Timane? Tim, yeah, okay. That's, that's... Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take Timane. I'll take Timane. <laughs> okay, uh, great. I'm glad we're just putting our jokes on the table and choosing which ones we... I, I know, I know. We well, acknowledge. It, it really... Because, again, it's it's five episodes left. It's just kind of a, a rummage sale of bits, and we're just kind of setting everything out on a blanket on the lawn, and the other one is kind of looking at it and kind of going, ah, what year is this from? Mm. I'll, let the, I'll let that bit go for 25 cents. What what uh, what A twenty four movie from like four years ago is this referencing? Mm, I don't know. Seems <laughs> seems a little overpriced at five bucks. <laughs> Smells like Canadian wildfire. <laughs> okay, we come back from the opening credits. Brad is uh, at home. He is eager to hear if he got into college or not. He is waiting on the response. Uh, Tim comes back complaining that he can't do any more car-related tool times because Binford makes no automotive tools, which Tim says is fascism. And then uh, Brad gets a notice either via the mail or a phone call. I don't quite remember because it was a while ago that I watched mail. this. <laughs> it was a mail. mail. He gets a letter telling him that he is still a candidate for a soccer scholarship uh, and that they're going to have a scout come to the soccer tournament he's playing in next weekend. Uh, and... You know, Brad's rehab isn't over yet, but also he's feeling a lot better, and so this is a huge opportunity for him, and so they decide to ask uh, Brad's physical therapist if they can accelerate his PT schedule. All right. Um, here's the first thing I want to... Uh, clearly, we've got a lot of plot to, to dive into there. Just, just so much plot. Here's the thing I want to dive into first. Uh, yes. We've lost the age in which you receive a letter saying, this thing is going to happen next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, I think feel I feel like now it's like you see something on social media that says next month there's going to be, you know, we're going to be at this place or, you know, there's a concert you want to see or someone's coming into town. You're planning a month ahead or someone's, you know. Yeah, I don't feel like getting a letter, which already feels different than, you know, receiving a text or anything digitally. Well, an email, it's it's whatever. quaint. Yeah. Yeah. And having a letter which feels these days like it has more significance telling me that a thing is going to happen in one week and that I need to, I only have that much time to prepare for it kind of made me anxious. <laughs> kind, of, kind of an A24 horror movie, really. It's just, it's just important stuff in the mail. You have to keep an eye on your mail. You have to check your mail. Like there might be a letter telling you that, you know, completely upending your life. And and you can't you can't click on any of the information in it. You can't control effort to just skip through the boring parts and find what's relevant. Right. No, you've got to read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's bad because I feel like nowadays, uh, yeah, the only important information you get in the mail 
it's only bad news. It's only the government yeah. telling you that you have to give them money or give them time. It's, you know, the IRS telling you that you didn't pay enough taxes or it's jury duty. Has this, this happened to you? I, has, has, is that, have you ever heard about this? You ever heard about this getting, getting letters <laughs> in the mail? Yeah, yeah, no, I get, yes, I get unfortunate things in the mail from the government from time to time and it sucks. Okay. But I, I never get like, I never get a letter with like good information in it that like I never get I never get the thing saying oh you're still in line for the scholarship or you know I never I, I never get <laughs> right. like a, an envelope and I open it and there's like twenty five dollars inside yeah maybe maybe that's it too just twenty years of of bad news in the mails made me just anxious of mail yeah that's why I only get it like once a week even though it's like five steps outside my door I'm like. <laughs> I just I don't want to see what's in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you know, I I don't need I don't need coupons for for a supermarket across town. I don't need <laughs> a flyer from the local real estate agent and I definitely don't need this uh, <laughs> this letter from the Bureau of Weights and Measures telling me that I owe them money for some reason. How are you going to know when the new spa goes up though? You have I a mean, coupon for <laughs> free tiger oil with your massage. I mean, listen, listen. I <laughs> I have I have my own source for tiger oil. I've got a guy in the Serengeti. He catches the tigers, he squeezes them, and then the oil comes out. Is it Charlie Sheen? <laughs> well, no, he's he. No, I, I I used to go to Charlie Sheen for my tiger oil, but he was injecting that shit, and and you can't oh. you got to trust your tiger oil supplier. Um, yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, let, letters letters bad letters bad um, <laughs> letters letters bad. <laughs> Okay, how about how about this to wrap up uh, some Tim stuff until yeah. like almost the end of this episode? Um, Let's get get the Tim out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I do like that he's playing kind of a, a backdoor character here. Uh, backdoor character is <laughs> oh, what oh. I went with. Mm, backdoor um, characters. <laughs> he, uh, on Showtime. He comes home complaining to Jill about the Binford thing, and he's like, uh, "They took you know Binford doesn't apparently make any car tools. He's still like he's like we can't do a car show ever again." And just like an episode or two ago, when I threw my arms up in the air in the jubilant display of uh, celebrating parameters on this mm-hmm. show, yes, I I nearly rocketed out of my chair. Uh, with the thought that there'll never be a tool time car episode again. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, if, if tool time never did another car episode, they will have already done more car episodes than any other show, including pimp my ride. I mean, they've done so much car <laughs> content. They are set for life. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I, uh, I, so I, I was just happy about that. I can't get my head around Binford, not making automotive tools. What? I, I, I think they do. I think we've seen them on this show. Like when he was working on the first hot rod, I almost guarantee. What was that fucking tool that Mark, when he was a little infant embryo, threw out of the tree and broke? Oh, wasn't God. that a Benford car tool? Oh, that maybe it was like some kind of socket wrench or something. I maybe because you can use socket wrenches on things other than cars. I. I mean, it, it it almost feels like a 1984 type situation. Like, you know, Binford has never made uh, automotive tools. Don't nope, forget are, it. Are you going to trust your own lying memories or what? What uh, only Tim tells you? Four lights. <laughs> yes. Uh, I I don't know. It, it seems it, it seems like just such a missed opportunity for the company that at one point was making its own brand of cola to not make <laughs> automotive supplies. So many things Binford makes. So that's all I have for wrapping up the the Binford thing for a while. Yeah, Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Brad and his knee and 
everything that's happening here. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems to me that, uh, or it seems to me, no, no, it doesn't. No, um, it doesn't. <laughs> sorry, that's that's an that only you know that one. I'll pay you to take that that joke off the off the rummage sale blanket. <laughs> um, I feel like it's sort of an ethical breach for UCLA to know that Brad had an injury and be like, well, you know, well, it's too bad, but uh, if you want to, if you want to play in this thing, it's a great opportunity for you. It's it's like I feel like they're kind <laughs> of they're kind of encouraging this this young man to potentially hurt himself by dangling this prize in front of him, tantalizing. Like, yeah. also, it's like <laughs> I mean, it, have you ever watched a sport before? I, I mean, listen, I I both am aware that uh, that sports are dangerous and uh, kind of manipulative, and also that the NCAA college level sports in particular are really exploitative to student athletes. But this just something about this notion of like well hey put your body on the line and and risk a lifelong injury and yeah maybe we'll let you play at our school <laughs> i don't know it's a it's a test of metal uh they have to know that he's willing to do it whether or not uh it destroys him in the process. I, I mean, it, it is, it's, it, you know, it's like the Joker is the uh, athletic director at UCLA <laughs> at this point. You know, it's like, we're going to have auditions. <laughs> Who can hurt? Who's I, most willing to draw blood? <laughs> A quick side tangent. I kind of been listening to Dana Carvey and, and David Spade's podcast about SNL. Mm. And uh, all my thoughts about that show aside, they talk a lot about Lorne Michaels auditioning people. And he'll often go to see a show, but he'll bring someone super famous with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so like he'll go and watch just some little rinkadink, you know, uh, black box theater show in, you know, uh, Los Feliz, California and mm -hmm. bring Quincy Jones with him or bring Cher. <laughs> and uh, to me, it kind of feels a little bit like that where it's like, you're going to be around massive stars every single week while you're on the show. Can you handle it? Uh, this is my way of, of testing whether or not you can. <laughs> Granted, that's not that's more psychological hurdles uh, that that he's doing. This is literally like not only might you not play soccer again, but you could potentially be taking any job off the table where you are required to be on your legs all day. Uh, just really fucking your whole life over. You need to be willing to put it all on the line for your school. Like, we'll give you free tuition, but you have to pay that tuition in in risk, basically. It, it's they should, it's they the should most dangerous movie game. about that. Yeah, they should. Did they do a movie just, about I've that? never... Yeah, I think there's just built-in drama to watching sports players put their body on the line for a sport that they love. Uh, if they can fit <laughs> some, like, daddy issues in there of, like toxic masculinity and and feeling like they need to fulfill their dad's pride i think i think you got a winner there could there could there be a scene where where an athlete tells his father that he doesn't want his life <laughs> maybe i mean <laughs> we'll, we'll, dis we'll discuss it off air that this is this is our next podcast um <laughs> it, it's called remember the timtons um Oh, we should do a podcast called Remember the Tin Tins, where it's just we talk about every issue of the Tin Tin comics. Okay, that's our new podcast. Um, so, I, I don't know. What, what else do you have to say about, about Brad's injury? I feel like I was mostly harping on college admissions there. Well, no, I mean, that's kind of what all that happens here. The injury isn't – we're just reminded of the inju injury, but it doesn't come into play in this scene. Uh, we do get a, a like, 
a little tricky transition where the scenes just slide apart and Tim's on the phone and we're still in the kitchen and Brad comes in after practice and that's when the injury kind of comes back into play. All right. Well, hey, I mean, let's just go with it because Tim's on the phone trying to get Bud on the phone to argue with him about how unreasonable he's being and Brad comes home limping because he's been training too hard and Tim and Jill take a look and his knee is super, super swollen and uh, Jill is, well, both of them are really concerned that he's going to hurt himself trying to get into uh, UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fucked up. It's really (laughs) fucked up what we put these people through. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. His knee's swollen. It's kind of gross. I, I don't know if there's much in this scene. There's not a lot of meat on this particular bone, although there is uh, a lot of meat on Brad's <laughs> bones in this case because of how swollen his, his shit is. I, I will say this. Uh, the the quality of video being transferred to the DVDs, uh, it was not super, in, in kind of a wider shot, it wasn't super clear that he was wearing anything on his knee. That yeah. I mean, he's clearly got it wrapped. It just looked like a big ass swollen knee and it kind of grossed me out until i realized what i was looking at oh it was a little upsetting at first yeah yeah i (laughs) yeah i I was i I don't know it kind of distracted me from the rest of the scene because it's like don't talk about the game talk about if we should do something about this like alien goiter on his leg right now (laughs) (laughs) right um okay well we get a uh ambulance i don't know it's a black car let me see what this says here hopefully Uh, not a hearse well that's what it looks like just says Tim Taylor. It's a black. It's like a black hot rod with the the RX yellow RX symbol on it. Very mm-hmm. weird. Very I don't know why it says Tim Taylor on it? But oh, well, I don't know. I guess well, you know, Tim. Wait, no, maybe Tim makes some joke about how he has frequent flyer miles at the hospital. No, no. If I need to go to the hospital, they send a car or something like that. And I think that's implying that he has his own private uh, ambulance now. Because oh, of it's how a limousine. It's like a it's like a Jeeves car. Ah, uh, yes, a Jeeves car. Uh, so, so back at tool time, uh, they, their latest directive from Bud, uh, is that they now have to wear Binford jumpsuits on set, uh, which is really upsetting to Tim and Al, and Heidi comes out with a Binford bikini that she's supposed to wear on set. Um, you know, the, the, all of these tool time bits are just like little one-off gags that uh, that are just sort of sprinkled in throughout to i guess take your mind off of the fact that brad might injure himself for life um i don't know i guess we should talk about the fact that when uh al first shows tim the uh jumpsuits that they're supposed to wear these big yellow jumpsuits uh tim says what are we gay exterminators and that gets just huge 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 laughs um so weird 90s are so depressingly weird they are so depressingly weird. Also, I would think that if if it were like if gay people were running an exterminator company, if anything, I think that the the, the like the jumpsuits would be more stylish and probably look way better than jumpsuits or, have ever looked before. Or I I don't know, just be a jumpsuit with a person that's identifies as homosexual in I, it and I, you can't I, tell. Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. I, I, let's let's budget out 25 minutes to really explore why it's uh, why this joke is wrong. I don't know. Just uh, okay, I, I, I I earmarked it too. I didn't know what I wanted to say about it, but I will say this. Um the joke not funny. L though as they like hold to let the joke breathe as if it needs it. Mm-hmm. Uh L does do, you know, Richard Carn does kind of like he holds it up for a second and kind of like considers it not, you know, he just considers like, well, how can I make this work? Yeah. And I, there is just one of those little tiny 
you know, micro flourishes that he puts into his character that, I don't know, is why I love him so much. Yeah, yeah. He is he is continuing to give 100% right up to the end. Talk more yes. about finishing strong. It's this guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we get people in Binford jumpsuits taking us to the next scene, unless there's anything in that scene we didn't talk about that you nope. want to. Nope, 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 nope. I want to talk about less than we already did. Okay, um, great. Yeah, so Tim's at the hospital. They're waiting in the reception area uh, to hear about what's going on with Brad, and Tim gets a call on his cell phone from Bud, and Tim jumps up and uh, walks all over the room, knocking people over and body-checking injured people out of the way, trying to get reception, and then then a nurse comes out and calls Tim and Jill in to talk with Brad. Um, Okay, set the timer for one hour. Okay, all right. All right, and timer on the clock, go. <laughs> All right, I, clearly we can talk about this whole fucking reception thing again, which we saw a couple episodes ago when Tim and Jill were on a date. Not yes. funny then, not nope. funny now. <clears throat> but maybe it was funny then as in the late 90s, because maybe this was commentary on shit that was happening a lot when people well, first had cell phones and were like running around trying to get reception I'm in restaurants. Glad you brought that up because uh, I looked this up um, the whole ad campaign behind T-Mobile can you hear mm. me now good uh, <laughs> came into effect in 2001 mm, okay. so this episode aired in two, uh, two, uh, 1999 I think that it I, I did have a cell phone I think in when did I get mine probably probably the year 2000 and it wasn't super great. I mean, certainly not like today where we can record an entire podcast over the phone with very little interruption. Uh, mm-hmm. Not 100%, but little interruption. Yeah. Did uh, it, how was the camera? I mean, did it shoot like a 1080p at least? Like, you know, get good. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, ta- yeah. you're talking sweet 480, buddy. Oh, okay, okay. But like, but like you could you could stream video really easily on it, though, right? Like, you, you know, <laughs> Netflix, Hulu, Max, uh, all of that. Uh, no, but I'm trying to like support your point by saying I, I, this must have, this is a joke. That's a relic because it's been a non-issue with phones for over 15 years now Mm -hmm. that, you know, the fact that you have to move all around the world in order to try to get your body into like an antenna position to get reception you know, I, did, and I also thinking of like the movie. Sorry, no, go on. Also thinking of the movie Black Sheep, where that's a big part of it too, where David Spade's trying to get reception on his phone. That was in '96. I, you know, I feel like it's yeah. It it seems like maybe the the current analog for it is is like jokes about influencers on TV shows and in yeah. movies. Because like I feel like. I don't know, the the show Mr. Mayor, which has since been canceled, uh, was you know, but there was like one episode where the whole thing was about, oh, the the mayor of L.A. needs to get the, you know, he gets into a Twitter war with some influencer and there's all these jokes about influencer culture and, oh, this influencer does, like, you know, like just mocking how, you know, uh, uh, vacuous influencers are and and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And watching it, it's just like, this just feels lazy and old. Like, I don't know, I feel like I've seen all these jokes before. Like, maybe... Maybe trying to get cell phone reception in the late 90s was the same kind of of just cultural thing like influencers are now that everyone has to comment on and make a joke about and that it's just assumed that everybody knows about. And 25 years from now, people are going to be watching 
you know, movies and TV shows from this era and going like, what the, will they stop talking about this Instagram thing, please? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's exactly it. And it probably was as kind of eye-rolly as influencers are to us now. It probably was the same thing, considering, as I said, Black Sheep did it not that they were even the first, but they did it back in 96. This is 1999. Yeah, it's it's just an old joke. Why are we spending so much time on this? Well, you I told me want to, to talk about this. You told me to put an hour on the clock. We've That's only, not we've, even what I wanted to spend the hour on. What, well, wait, okay, okay, we'll restart the clock then. Okay, okay what do you great. really want to spend an hour talking about? <laughs> this office. Clearly, yes. it's the, the same exact set as the gynecologist office. Yes. <clears throat> they've took bread to the gynecologist. <clears throat> but they've redressed it and... It, they've given it a little bit darker wallpaper. Mm-hmm. There are two posters in the background. One is of a gentleman, presume it looks like, uh, doing a jump kick, uh, like a karate man doing a jump kick. <laughs> and then like a, a Wayne Gretzky, uh, someone about to do a slap shot. Yeah, a hockey man doing I a don't, slap they, shot. They've like, this isn't the hospital. This is the physical therapist. <laughs> and they've made this so male centric uh there there's only one other woman in this office who's got her back to tim her arms in a sling to just to like not be completely male mm-hmm. but i mean this whole thing's like well we're in a physical therapist's office people that go to physical therapy are people who play sports people who play sports are guys duh, duh. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it it is it is funny how how just like taking the space that was Tim's feminine hell a few episodes ago and turning it into a safe place is, is for for <laughs> right. him. It's just a darker coat of paint and just two po- a poster of a guy doing karate and a guy playing hockey, and it's like, good. This is Tim, yeah. this is now on Tim's level. Yeah, <laughs> like it's got a walnut door instead of a blonde oak door. Yeah, um, yeah, <clears throat> extreme makeover. Yeah, waiting room edition. The other thing I want to ask about is. This is, I don't quite 100% know how this office works. Everyone that's in this waiting room looks like they're already treated. Mm-hmm. There's there's a guy in an arm cast that has both of his arms, you know, he's in a wheelchair and he's got both of his arms in a cast uh, kind of stuck upward. There's another guy just with a, a wrist cast. The mm-hmm. woman who's there has her arm in a sling. There's a guy with a, a neck brace on and then a guy in crutches. Mm-hmm. Like, None of these people seem like it's an emergency. <laughs> They're... Well, I mean, you don't you don't go to your physical therapist in an emergency situation. You go to a physical therapist after you've had an injury, been treated for it, and then part of your recovery process is going there. Like, no one. Then why is Brad there? <laughs> well, Brad's Brad's there because he's like he's got an ongoing relationship with his PT. He's re-injured the old injury, and this is the specialist that he talks to about it. It's like. Like, he's not going there because, oh, I fucked up, I I fucked this up for the first time. It's like, ah, this thing that's been fucked up for a while is fucked up in a slightly new way. Let's talk to the guy who has an ongoing history with it. Most of these people are just there for regular physical therapy appointments because... Because uh, I think I think at that time, like only seven percent of people in physical therapy in the U.S. didn't have just a physical therapist living in their house full time, like yeah. on Fraser. That was the normal. That was the normal <laughs> way: is you just have a person move into your house and be a servant for like eleven years, and occasionally you stretch your leg with her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, just low key turning your physical therapist into your housemate. 
yeah, I, you know, I think that, look, you can, you can still do that. You just have to have a lot of money because those people uh, do not charge reasonable rates, um, which is totally fair given the value of the work they do and the amount of education they have to get. I have a physical therapist in my family, and I want to make sure I'm coming correct here. Uh so okay, what do you what do you want to discuss for the remainder of your hour on the decor of the uh, waiting room? Um, either stop making sense or Suspiria. I'm trying to decide what I feel more like. Well, okay. I mean, I've seen one of those two, so I, that's gonna affect it's the, the 40th the anniversary content. of speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. That's pretty big. That is pretty big. Good for good for the talking heads. I <laughs> I the other day did a little deep dive on just how many different songs uh, "Genius of Love" has been sampled in, and had oh, a great God. time listening to a whole lot of rap music I wouldn't have otherwise listened to. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's an hour. So anyway, um, <laughs> we go to the physical therapist's office where he is being kind of cagey about whether Brad can play or not. He tells them. The therapist. Uh, what do you say? The physical therapist. The physical therapist. Yeah, the physical therapist is saying, eh, you know, it could be fine. He basically says that Brad's knee should be at around 85% by game time. And then, uh, well, Tim and Jill and Brad all try to make sense of what that number means. The physical therapist adamantly refuses to give a clear yes or no, but just says it's up to all of you. Uh, Brad wants to play. Tim wants Brad to play, and Jill insists that Brad shouldn't play because he could start college somewhere else and transition to UCLA later, and he just, she doesn't think that it's worth him taking the risk of a potential permanent injury just so he can get into UCLA. So, the battle lines points. have been drawn. All fair points. A lot of, uh, Plato and Aristotle here, just battling it out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I don't I don't even know what to say about this. Uh I have, I have a, kind of a note on Tim's character a mm. little bit. And but I I don't know. Give me some thoughts on what's happening plot-wise. I mean, how is this different than when he first hurt his knee? I mean, th- this is this is different from when he first hurt his knee because then it was oh, you know, you might never play soccer again. And now it's you will be able to play soccer again in, you know, a couple months' time. You'll be completely back to normal, and you just have uh-huh. to make this choice between playing in the near future and potentially never playing soccer again and having the injury you thought you had initially, or... So, higher and more immediate stakes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is which mm-hmm. is good, finishing strong, you know, gotta, yeah. gotta you know, up the stakes. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I kind of, yeah, I just, I don't know that... I would have gone here with it again. It feels it feels a little too close to the initial problem. Yeah. Um I don't I don't disagree. I feel like maybe I would have focused more on the psychological aspect of him getting back in the game which we only see a hint of in a bit, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Um here's what I have a note on Tim about. He we're getting kind of dumb Tim here. Yes, and, we definitely are. Whenever he's in a doctor's office, that's that's the dumbest Tim you can get. Yeah. I it was put in mind of the evolution of uh, Sam Malone on Cheers. Mm. Oh, thank you. Now, now we're speaking my language. And I, I kind of wi- feel like there's a missed opportunity with the Tim the Toolman character of kind of making him dumber as the series went on because mm-hmm. it's funnier. Yes, and it's I don't know a little less toxic. Like I love dumb optimism. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. Uh, and if and Tim plays that well. In the scene, he's like, 
he's trying to like do the math of like okay there's he says you have an 85% chance that you'll be fine uh but that's an you know a 25% chance you might hurt your knee but you're only you only 50% of your knees are at risk so if you're only playing 85% of the time and 85% <laughs> of your knee and so he's like getting real he's stumping himself with math and yes. it's really funny yes and i i kind of it's just a glimpse into what the character could be all the time that um i don't know makes me a little wistful if if he had more yeah like this is a this is a glimpse of if tim were more like andy dwyer on parks and rec who's just sort of good-natured <laughs> dumb very confident about everything but everything he says is so stupid and he's so just nonchalant about it that it kind of comes off as as sweet and endearing yeah and because you know he he is taking this like the he's doing all of this and he's rationalizing all this math because first and foremost he wants to support brad he wants to back his son up and and let his son make the choice that he wants to make which i think ultimately is the right call in this situation although jill's concern is completely warranted so it's him in in that that scenario is in that scenario is tim dat ass or is brad dat ass or is, think, is brad's goal for being a soccer player dat ass what what is he trying to back up uh i mean he's trying <laughs> i mean he's trying i think i think brad is dat ass because he wants to he wants to back his son up at at uh, you know at all at all costs and he basically and he wants to back up back up dat ass of his son's decision making ability uh, abilities too uh-huh uh-huh okay yeah. Well, our jokes has got real juvenile. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you okay that 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 one. I'll give you a full price at the rummage sale for that one. Okay, thank you. Good. Um, yeah. What what else? Uh, that's all I got for that scene. Um, except for the transition, which I have a note on. But um, well, okay. Well, let, let's transition on uh, on to the next scene. Okay, as Tim is doing the math and trying to figure it out. Uh, the scene turns to chalk like it's a chalkboard, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, congrat or like props to the the transition people who actually hand drew chalk uh, from this still frame mm-hmm. um, of Tim and Jill and Brad and the table between them. And as Tim's doing the math, a division sign appears between them, and then an equal sign between him and Jill. And like this whole, it's it's pretty intricate for all of two seconds. Yeah, but finishing strong, finishing strong, but. Then a hand comes in and erases it with the chalkboard eraser. Guess what? What? That chalkboard eraser made by Binford. Oh. School supplies, yes. Automotive supplies, <laughs> no. They they really should the show should be called School Time and it's all just talking about Binford binders and Binford dry erase markers. Or maybe you know what? Maybe they just Maybe Binford's just in the sticker game, and they outsource all of their tools and everything else. There's like, we can make a customized sticker to fit on a socket wrench, <laughs> but we, we yeah. can't on a diagnostic center. They're they're all they're all about about very specific types of branding. They're just they're all about getting getting their name out. They make a lot of label makers, but they only print Binford. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, that takes us to the backyard where Jill's taking out some trash and, and Wilson's out there doing a Wilson. Yep. Wilson is out there making a gigantic cauldron of beef stew, which he cooks in bulk. So we'll have lunch for the next five years. Uh, Jill 
talks about her insecurities about what's happening with Brad and asks Wilson if uh, she's being overprotective. And Wilson explains that it makes sense that Brad would want to take a risk for a sport that he loves, and Jill counters that she's just worried Brad isn't listening to his body, and that when she didn't listen to her body, she had to get a hysterectomy. Wilson, in return, asks Jill if she ever went against her parents' wishes to take a risk that involved physical danger, and Jill realizes, yeah, she married Tim. Um, so... In this scene, this is a very aspirational scene for me. This is kind of, this is what okay. I, I, I want for my life. Wilson making a gigantic amount of, <laughs> of stew, just like, just generating so much soup. I love that. I love making soup. I live in a climate where uh, soup is not practical most of the time. Uh, but uh, the, I the idea of just making a fuckload of soup and having meals figured out for years and years to come. I don't know. Something about that just is very comforting. That's cottage core to me. That, that uh, I mean, I, I can see your fantasies now of just like the world's biggest crock pot. Yeah. I mean, look, and I know and you roast me a lot for crock pot cooking. I, make, I don't know. I, make I, my I, soups I, in I never pot. roast you. I, I have nothing there. I see nothing wrong with the crock pot. I make okay. many great things in the crock pot. I think you've made really great things in the crock pot. And, and some pretty bad things in the crock pot too, which <laughs> some of which you've tasted or not I, tasted because they were so flavorless. <laughs> I disagree, but continue. I, I, you know, I, yeah, it, it just, it just, you know, the meditative aspect of just like, I, here's, here's 25 pounds of broccoli. I'm going to pour that in there and just watch it reduce yeah. down for the next three hours and stir. And you freeze it. You get, yeah. I mean, you need a, you need a home or something to be able to have a fridge that can accommodate five years. I mean, he's got a whole cave, so I mean, Wilson's I, set, but yeah, you, you know, Truman don't. You know, this is this is the thing. I've given above ground swimming pools a lot of shit on this podcast, but boy, get one of those. Use it. Use it as stock pot to make soup. Maybe you got a stew going. Um, I I also love that when he says that he eats it for the next five years, Jill asks if he gets bored of having the same thing, and he goes, "Yeah, but every three years I add crackers." Just just so good. Just a solid <laughs> solid soup joke. I don't know what what, what I, I'm what, not, what I'm not a big fan of crackers in my soup. What? I mean, yeah, I guess that's fine. I, I mean, I, I don't blame you. It's, it's like I don't know. Any particular? Well, how, do you, how do you do a How do you do a cracker in a soup? Do you do you crack them those oyster crackers all at once and then open it and pour the whole bag into your soup, or do you do like only the crackers you're going to eat in the next one or two bites? You know, I I I just do a couple at a time because I don't want to like box myself into any sort of particular flavor situation or texture situation for that point <laughs> for that matter. That's uh, the thing is. It's it gets too soggy for me. It's just like why 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 would I want to add sog to this chili? I you know what I totally I totally agree. As someone who once put way way too much barley in a soup I was making, and when it finished, the it was just a, in my crock pot, just a a bready oval. Like there, it, the the barley <laughs> had soaked up, all, so it was just beef flavored <laughs> beef flavored carbohydrates, and you just like cut off a slice of it. And put it on a plate and eat it. It was like a very thick porridge that retained its shape. And oh, and oh, the gas! Oh, the gas that you'd get from eating all that barley. Um, I, I, I just, I understand, and so I can, I can see why you'd want to avoid, uh, you know, the comedy of errors that led me to that, to that situation. And by the way, I made a lot of that soup, so I had to eat that shit for a, about a week, and I couldn't That's... add crackers if I wanted. I could have spread like... it on a cracker, honestly. I like... I love that your toxic masculine trait is I refuse to throw out disgusting food. 
look, it hadn't gone bad. It wasn't like foul. It just was it, like it, it went bad as soon as it came out of the crockpot. I mean, no, look, look. I, I, I. Well, first, I thought that the ma- the the toxic masculine trait you were going to accuse me of was always wanting to add more barley to things. But uh, look, it, you know what? I I didn't want to let the barley win. That's basically it. I don't like to be outsmarted by grains, and uh, so I had to I had to fight to the finish. And honestly, I think that that's that's a positive thing. Much like Brad fights to the finish in this episode. For him, it was athletic competition. With me, it's eating a soup that I fucked up. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. Well, we we know we know the choice that you would make in Brad's position, and that's to continue forward with the meal. Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, and, Even and, though you broke the recipe <laughs> in half, yeah, that's that's true. But you know what? I think that the scout from the UCLA soup eating team would be very impressed with my <laughs> perseverance, and that's how I get a scholarship, baby. <laughs> um. um Okay, I, I historically don't pay a lot of attention to Wilson, and this episode's not really any different. Finish consistent, that's good. The, a couple things with Wilson here. One, you say a few of these things are finishing strong in this episode. The Wilson gag, not. I mean, aside from the, the making of the soup, fine, but the hiding his face gag, we've seen him with this stupid boat oar like three times already. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't begrudge that it's a difficult bit to keep up i don't begrudge them reusing but it's the last five episodes like <sighs> you're gonna you're gonna amp up every, this whole fucking show is about more power okay we've we've amped up covering wilson's face <laughs> in a lot of ways like i've gone hard on this show for not doing a good enough job but there are also yeah. plenty of episodes where i mean they had a whole they, there's a whole like whole episodes where they have dinner at his house and they have all kinds of different relics and artifacts and objects yeah. blocking his face, a different one in every shot. All right. I think they ju- they shot their wad on sh- on covering I, Wilson's face. That sounds bad. I think there's one more in them. I, 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 I'm calling it now. I need to see one more, like, really intensive Wilson face gag before the show's over. I, I mean, okay, I, I'll, 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 I hope that you get that. I hope that that happens for you. I'm just saying, I, I think that, I think that they probably wanted to deliver on that. And it's like, I don't know what else can we do. We've done everything we logically can. <laughs> I mean, they, they've contrived scenes from less before. So just starting with the concept of we need to hide Wilson's face. We need to do the gag upright one last time. I'm sure they could backwards engineer a, uh, a scene from that, but the, the, I digress. The, the <laughs> last ever episode of Tool Time is them building the man's Wilson face covering. It's like the manliest way <laughs> to cover up Wilson's face. It's like a Playboy episode just, with a jet engine. It's Playboy just article. a beard of barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, barbed wire beard. That's it. <laughs> Um, lastly, I, I'm not sure I'm on the Wilson side of the fence with his advice here. (laughs) Well, well, what that it, that his advice to just, to, to let your teenage son, uh, do, do something wildly dangerous. Well, as Jill makes a point in the last scene, Brad's still 17. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky age because he's old enough to be kind of scary and resistant to what you're saying but i mean he is still technically a minor and wilson's basically just saying well you know boys are gonna sport and you don't really understand how important sports are to boys so you know just let him make the decision (laughs) i mean look i i 
I can see how, yeah, that I guess that does sort of make sense. Also, if I were Jill, I would probably object to an old childless man telling me, oh, it's just natural <laughs> yeah. to let your, let, you go. Let, your, let your teenage son disobey you and take a great physical risk. I, I get that. I, I understand that. At the same time, I, I don't know. I just see it as like he, he is almost 18. In a few months, it will be legal for him to, you know, it will be legal for the government to send him to Kuwait and give him a gun yeah. and and have him go shoot some people. So it's like, I, you know. I, I, okay, this is starting to get into the, the kind of way the pro-choice, pro-life argument goes, which uh-oh, is. Uh-oh, Finishing strong. <laughs> I know. I, I'm not suggesting that the other side of this is Brad doesn't do it. All Jill is advocating for is a conversation about the pros and cons, which they never have in this episode. It's just, I want to do it. I don't give a shit about the risk. I've been working so hard about this. And all Jill's saying is like, okay, I understand that. Can we sit down and just like really try to think this through so that you can develop a feeling about what the potential outcome might be if it doesn't go your way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I... It's not you play or you don't play. It's you play by making a reckless decision or you play by making a well-informed decision. Hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I guess all I'd say is if this show has one theme, it's about how it's generally okay for men to do reckless things that put themselves in physical danger because it's part of who they are. So it's on brand for what the show thinks, even if you I guess know, so. Even yeah. if maybe it's uh, the wrong message for parenting. You're not wrong. It just about felt any weird coming out of Wilson. It, it felt I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that's all I had about the Wilson scene. Yeah. Well, okay, so from the Wilson scene, we go to a series of scenes at the soccer tournament, and, I I mean, it all kind of runs together at this point. Yeah. So should I just kind of, like, take us through what happens at the tournament, and then we'll just freestyle it? Yeah. Take us through, and I'll, I'll stop you at one or two places where there's a, a big beat that we can break down. Okay, so we're at the soccer tournament, and Brad is out on the field. Jill has decided to let him play. Mark is videotaping. Tim and Jill are on the sidelines. Brad's out there on the field, and one of the UCLA coaches is there watching the game. Tim tries to chat him up and bribe him with some uh, tool time merchandise, and the guy refuses, and I feel like Tim is really putting the scholarship at risk here. Um, Brad is out there playing soccer. He's not playing the best game of his life. He misses a goal. He gets tripped up and he seems to have injured himself and has to be rushed to the first aid tent. Um, so while Brad... Let's stop it there. Yeah, let's stop it there because I think the first aid tent becomes another big beat. Yeah. Um, the scene starts again with like hitting that hard reception, uh, cell phone reception joke again. Mm -hmm. in the background. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, whoop-dee-doo. Um, I think... Okay, welcome to Landon's nitpicky corner. Um, That's been the whole show. <laughs> but I've officially built a corner for it. Okay, fine. Again, we are finishing strong. Wait, here's the theme song. There you go. There you go. All the hits coming back. Ooh, it's a long one, too. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Brad is still wearing his gold necklace and earring uh, as he enters the game. I don't think that that is uh, regulation. I think... I think you are forced to remove all that stuff before you play. Okay. Okay. I, that's, that's, you're blowing me away with your sports knowledge here, but I'll buy that. (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay. So the scout is here. 
uh, let's talk a little bit about him. Okay. He. What do you got? I, I, you know, I don't have much. The main thing I have is that he. I, I don't know. I guess I don't really have anything. He's just like he's here trying to do his job. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to watch this yeah. game. I feel like if I, you know, if I were Brad and I saw Tim over there trying to bribe an NCAA official and potentially get you know. Like get the whole thing ten- like there's so much risk inherent in in any appearance of impropriety there that I feel like that would just get you know Brad disqualified immediately so the school wouldn't have to deal with that. Um, so I'd be I'd be upset if I saw my Brad. Uh, if I saw my Brad, wow. <laughs> if I saw my dad, it was last episode that was Freudian slip streaming. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was well, it a Freudian slip when it's about your dad and not your mom? Is that is that some? Uh... <laughs> what about when it's about a fictional character on a TV series that is supposed to be? Uh, playing the part of your dad, even though he's the son of the dad on the show. Oh my god! Okay, well you've t- you've tied my brain into a Freudian knot now. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, so that's a thing that would piss me off if I were on the field and that were happening. But otherwise, yeah. I don't know. The the scout just uh, he I don't he seems wholly unremarkable to me. Why do you want me to talk about the scout land and what's going on with the scout? <laughs> Nothing. Um, I do. He's. <laughs> He is wearing a yellow shirt and blue jacket, which are UCLA colors. Yeah, I did notice that, and I thought, well, that must be because this guy works for UCLA, and they tend to <laughs> like people being on brand with their colors. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Brad's uh, psychological game here. He's, yeah. he's playing timid, and this is, as I was alluding to earlier, like this is where the more interesting episode is to me, that he has this big opportunity to get back in the game. He's decided to. I almost would feel like take the whole potential risk of injury out of it and and put it more on like he's fully healed physically but not mentally exactly and that is going to hinder his chances for a scholarship and then you can have like brad talk to wilson you could have you know a a nice jill and brad moment or tim and jill or tim and brad moment um where it's kind of prepping him for adulthood and and you know dealing with things mm-hmm. uh as it is making kind of an arbitrary decision i don't know this didn't feel like it had this the the oomph the for the stakes that they were trying to set up yeah i know it, that would focus a lot more on on kind of personal growth and seeing the character off in a in a in a better way and yeah and it's also just it's more interesting I don't know. I, I and I, maybe I'm not the person to talk about this because I just don't find sports very interesting. But I feel like when you're watching sports in a movie or TV show, the way when I'm most interested by it and find it the most compelling is when sports are really just sort of a vehicle for the person's internal process yeah. and them <clears throat> getting getting through some shit or getting over some shit that they're dealing with. And uh, so, yeah, watching sports just be a matter of, oh, am I going to be able to, you know, am I going to be physically capable of kicking this ball really hard or not? It's it's a, a less interesting conflict for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, it does a disservice to the story because, like, suddenly, okay, so this, this particular scene that we're talking about ends with him re-injuring his knee and having to go into the tent, right? You said that. Yes. So, like suddenly he has to like overcome the decision to play again. Like he's, he's reposed with the same question that was posed to him at the outset of this episode. 
Yeah. <laughs> do you want to continue playing at the risk of injury? Well, you just injured yourself. Do you want to continue playing yet again? Um, so that feels redundant. Yeah. But also, like it, it undermines like it, it, it. The the lack of believability is is enhanced here because I would feel he would be more psychologically damaged because he hurt himself a second time. Not. I deciding to play again, and therefore I'm going to go out while injured and play the best game of my life. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah, because he, he he injures himself. They're there in the tent. The medic in the tent says, "You know, says, oh well, actually, no. Uh, you know, I think I think this is just uh, this is okay because it's bruising, and that means that it's actually not a lasting injury. If you feel okay, you should be okay to play. Like, and uh, yeah, so you're right. It really does just like it. It just sort of." replays the same stakes as we had at the beginning of the episode of oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> folks Landon just Landon just sent me a, a still image from the episode that's complete <laughs> it's completely derailed any point that I was trying to make but yes he's the he's there I have to I have to physically cover the image to not look at it. I think you need it. to take people through what it is. Okay, okay. This is a now. Is this from after the the tent or is this from before the tent? This is literally seconds before he injures himself. Right before. Okay, so this is a shot from right before he injures himself, as Landon just said to you, and it's just this shot, uh, this action shot, still frame of Brad looking over his shoulder with his mouth very wide open, mid shout, and a kind of like. <laughs> Almost panic in his eyes, but the way his mouth it's, is so wide open, it's like it's like opening your mouth in a wind tunnel and your cheeks ballooning out and your your mouth being forced open by wind. It's it's an action shot. So the the f- players in the foreground and the uh, the like background is all blurry, and the camera's focused on Brad, so he's in <laughs> in focus. So because of all of that, it makes it and the the shape of his face and eyes in this. It looks like an anime. <laughs> it honestly kind of does. You, you almost like you, you give him like a gigantic sword strapped across his back and like a, <laughs> a you know a, a a black cloak or something like that. <laughs> With some blurry subtitles at the yeah. bottom. I, th- I think my D and D character looks like this at least once per battle. <laughs> uh, well, and this right before getting a a bad injury, I assume. <laughs> Uh, usually yes. This this is what um, this is what failing a reflex save looks like. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to what you were saying, Truman. Make your make your point. My my, my point. Uh, my point is that yeah, it just it is just replaying the conflict from the beginning of the episode yet again. It's just posing him the same thing of like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. you're okay, maybe you're not. Like, there's so many doctors in this episode just going, oh yeah, it seems like kind of a mysterious maybe injury, so you should just decide what to do about it. And <laughs> but I, you know, it, I what I do like about this moment though is that Jill and Brad are there alone talking together, and they've been told that the scout is going to have to leave soon. So if he doesn't, if Brad doesn't get out there and play. He is ASAP that, you know, the, the whole thing is blown. So it's Brad and Jill are in there and they're having this conversation about it. You know, the medic has left and and Brad pretty much tells her like in the way that I think you were calling out for earlier. He says he understands the risks. He's prepared to live with the consequences. And he says, if I don't go on that field right now, I'm going to wonder my whole life if I could or not. And mm-hmm. so I do like seeing that. I, I like seeing yeah. that moment from Brad, and I like seeing that delivery from Brad. And Jill tells him to to get out there and play, which is, 
which is all cool. And I just wish that it was yeah. better than served, by, you know, because then after that, Brad goes out, he plays great, he scores a goal by doing a very impressive, like, diving and flipping around and kicking his head or his I think foot. it's called a rainbow kick. A rainbow kick? He does one of those. Uh, happy month after Pride, everybody. And the scout is super <laughs> impressed and says UCLA will get back to him in a week or so. And, and it, he's celebrated and he's done great. But yeah, it, it's... Like, I guess you can make the argument that that having his mom's support is what allowed him to play really well, but I don't think that's even the point the episode is trying to make. Yeah, it, it it's weird. It, like, it knows the beat it needs to hit, which is what you just described of him, you know, coming to that, that you know, inflection point. But everything surrounding it just kind of, I don't know, falls a little flat. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like a different trajectory of this episode could have served that moment better because i agree i i thoroughly enjoyed seeing it that felt cathartic to see brad kind of have to make an adult decision for himself for the first time uh as we're kind of sending off his character and um i mean what i'm sorry i'm still looking at that picture of brad i'm sorry i've got to minimize it it's too good it's too good okay go on i'm sorry sorry uh, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, um, I wanna I wanna circle back real quick to the 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 on site medic, uh, the first the guy in the first aid tent. Yeah, um, who's checking out his knee. <laughs> I've never seen this on the show before, and maybe it's goes hand in hand with uh, Tim waiting in the wings for his cue. Mm-hmm. But it, it's oh, maybe it's because they're shooting on location. And they're just like, we gotta get this done before the sun goes down. But. Uh, did you notice the gaff? <laughs> uh, no, I did not notice. I did not notice the gaff. What was the gaff? I I replayed this like six times, and I feel really bad for this character actor. But yeah, uh, it it really made me laugh. He he delivers this line to Brad, you know, this kind of medical jargony stuff about the bruise and whatever. And he's like, "Well, it's just something you got to decide for yourself." He's got his arms akimbo, like looking real authoritative. As he turns to leave, he kind of looks from you know, over his shoulder from Brad to Jill without watching where he's walking. And he kicks the table (laughs) accidentally. And the, the, it moves like, I don't know, two or three inches. (laughs) It's, it's real fast, but, uh, it's something that's like, why there's something happening on that day that they couldn't shoot another take or in editing, they couldn't cut around it for some reason. So it's just so entertaining to me that it ended up in the episode. (laughs) I mean, look, that, that you know, when they were shooting that scene, they, you know, he kicked it on the way out, and the director said, nah, this is good enough. And they and they, they went with it, which Wait, is... are you Andrew Sow? I, I, look, uh, folks, surprise, that's, that's the twist, that's the prestige. I've been making a podcast about the show that I directed a few episodes of. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh my god, 14 no, it, episodes. 14, 14 episodes, that's a lot. But, I mean, actually, relative to the sheer number of episodes, not that many. Um, not to take anything away from myself, Andrew Sow. Um, uh, well, no, okay, a lot of gaffes. Maybe we're finishing week after all. Um, so after, after, the, like, I, the only thing in the whole week since watching this episode, the one thing that stuck out really strongly is the very last thing we see, which is after Brad scores the goal, he goes running oh over to the sidelines. Oh, boy. It drops to his hands and knees and starts crawling, and then all he of pulls his, his shirt off first. He pulls his shirt off first, which I guess is a reference to Mia Hamm and the the Women's World Cup thing, which happened around that time, right? Yes, you're no, uh, no. 
uh, insert okay. insert correct answer here. Uh, hang on, let me just do a little housekeeping here. Hey, uh, hey Kirsty, when you hear this episode, uh, come and tell me if I'm right that that was Mia Ham taking her shirt off, if, and if that's the reference. Um, anyway, yeah, but he pulls his shirt off. Goes running over, celebrating to the sidelines, and starts crawling on all fours. And then his other teammates all start crawling on all fours right behind him in a in a, in a way that is just just human centipede esque, which in a, I don't in love. In a post in a post human centipede world, this just doesn't fly anymore. You can't listen. I we were watching the Eurovision Song Contest a couple months ago, and there were some backup dancers at one point doing a crawling faces to butts kind of dance, and it's like guys. Come on, dude. I, I get that you're in Europe, but that they shot the human centipede in Europe. You people should know. You can't do that pose anymore. Yeah. Um, but they're doing that, and and even aside from from that awful awful connotation, is then he just like belly flops onto the ground, and then they start belly flopping on top of him, and I'm like, motherfucker, his his leg is still injured. Like it's still touch and go. <laughs> Why are you crawling okay. on your knee and then having other people <laughs> drop onto it? The, what? <laughs> the, the the scout is going to watch you blow out your knee celebrating the dumbest way ever to lose a scholarship. I'm glad you brought this up because there is more contact with his knee in this celebratory moment than there is when he actually injures it in the game, which is we didn't talk about it. But when he injures himself, he basically like flips over a guy doesn't land on his injured knee at all. Uh, but then grabs it like he's a hurt basketball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a hurt soccer player uh, doing some inside the actor's studio stuff. Yeah, I I, I haven't really watched soccer, so I don't know if they're as, as dramatic as basketball players. I, there's, there's, I, I, my understanding is there's a fair amount of drama in, in soccer, too, when people are trying to oh, okay. get some extra time on the board. I think it's called a board. Uh, Kirsty, well, when maybe, you listen to this episode, points... e- explain to me if that actually is true or not. Go on. Maybe that's that's points for the scholarship. If he's like, "Wow, he's already got the <laughs> he's already got the the drama chops for this." <laughs> this kid could go all the way. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of been it's just been on my mind. Like that's just a weird a weird well, thing to do. Now you've got a, a new image of Brad playing soccer in your mind. <laughs> I've, I've got I got to look over. <laughs> 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 oh man, I shouldn't have looked. That's too good. I gotta look away. Just want a little taste of. It. <laughs> I'm gonna make that my new desktop background. I might have to. <laughs> uh, please, please um, put this on the Instagram or somewhere so the the, the good people right. at home can see it. I I certainly will. Um, the only note I had here was uh, the the scout peeks his head into the tent at one point and he's like, I got to get going. I don't know what the fuck's going on with you, but you know, uh, if you're not going to play, I got other people to see. And, uh, Brad, you know, says, okay, just give me a second. You know, he's like, well, I guess I can spare another five minutes. And Tim goes, Oh great. I know a bunch of jokes. (laughs) And, uh, Tim just launches into like, not even cat skills level jokes. No, I don't even know. They're just like 101 jokes. You read on the toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it yeah, this is like this is this is like something you get from like a book at the scholastic book fair, you know, just just really like kind of low level hacky. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're not even not even dad jokes. I'm trying to do I'm assuming a week after you've watched it you don't remember any. I, I don't remember any of them nor did I even write them down. I was like this is not going to be important to remember. <laughs> uh well, they're bad. They're they're dumb. They're like 
they're jokes that are like, oh, this is going to get racist real fast, mm-hmm. uh, whether they do or not. But uh, the the fact that they didn't, I took as a uh, as a blessing, really. Yeah. Um. Clearly, yeah. I had a I had a couple replacement jokes though. Okay, great. Uh, I wrote these myself. Great. I can't wait to hear them. I bet they're going to be great. Okay. I've got two. All right. Here's the first one. What did the nice potato say to the mean potato? What? Don't be a dictator. (laughs) That's pretty good. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. What is a horse's least favorite instrument? Uh, A musical instrument. What what is a horse's least favorite musical instrument? A what? A glue stick guitar. (laughs) <laughs> okay uh uh that's uh that's that's pretty good uh hang on hang on one second i think i can come up with i'm gonna i'm oh. gonna trust you put your reaction to looking at the image of brad <laughs> as your reaction to my joke i well i thought i thought no i thought they were both funny it's just like a different it's just a different level of humor uh okay um <laughs> What do you call a mystery involving an American artist who rose to success during the 1980s as part of the neo-expressionism movement? Um, a locked Pollux mystery. Close. A Basquiat case. Eh? <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's good. Good. I think I think I think all of our jokes would have gotten that scout to stay for another hour at least. At least, at the very least. Um, uh, okay, uh, so as they're celebrating, did you mention the scouts like, good job, if you're playing this well on a hurt knee, I can't imagine what you're going to play like when you join our team next year. I, well, you know what, no, I did not mention that. But yeah, he gives him, he basically gives uh, Brad the unilateral, unilateral thumbs up. Who cares how good all the other players I see today might be? You're on the team. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> not going to consult uh, with, you know, the manager. <laughs> not going to take anything back. Fuck my notes. I'm just giving a big old stamp of yes. I, and also, also, Brad played like shit for a lot of the game. <laughs> yes, So, did. So it's like, I guess, I guess score one rainbow kick one time. It's not about consistency <laughs> all- of play. It's about being able to do the right thing once. For all he knows, they could have like pulp fictioned adrenaline into his chest in that tent uh, when he wasn't looking just for the last quarter. <laughs> yeah, you know it's and and him him doing that belly flop onto the uh, onto the turf was just to drive the syringe further in so we can get a little <laughs> bit more adrenaline out of it. <laughs> oh God! So yeah. I guess Brad's going to UCLA. Woo! Uh, How do you feel uh, about that after after watching our boy grow up? I, you know what? I feel I feel great about it. It's a it's a solid school. Um, you know they have uh, I know a great basketball team, and their football team has been doing better recently. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm proud that Brad's going to be a Bruin, and I hope that he can keep up with the rigorous uh, academics that it's also known for. <laughs> I didn't care how you feel about the Bruins. I cared about how you felt about our boy going to college. I mean, look, I feel I feel great about Brad going to such a good school because I specifically remember how threatened he felt by Randy's intelligence a couple seasons ago and how hard he worked to get his grades up. And I feel like this will honestly be a great opportunity for Brad to maybe spread his wings and go beyond just being a jock and maybe actually get some dang old knowledge in his head. Or the exact opposite, when he realizes that all that studying wasn't worth a damn because he could just get there on sports anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, 
or or he, when he learns that all of that studying wasn't worth a damn because honestly in our economy just you sort of just need to go to college so that you can have that box checked and then get a white collar job where you don't really utilize any of the skills that you learned in college um Anyway, an exactly. hour on the clock. Let's talk about the failures of the 21st century American economy. Um, right. How do you are feel? We, are we both deflecting our, our emotions about this ending by, by not actually acknowledging uh, how it feels to have a conclusion to a, a major character's story? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I felt I, I just never I never really was in doubt that he was going to get into UCLA. So it's kind of like I'm happy to see this happen for him. But also I'm like, eh, you know, I. I I knew it was going to be a happy ending. Why? Do you, do you, tell me about the feelings you have. I, I don't. I don't really have any. I, oddly, okay. I think a because I've experienced it before, uh, well. having seen the show before, and b like uh, I don't know the the episode wasn't as emotional or, or even celebratory. You no. know, it, it felt like there wasn't a lot of pop and circumstance around. Nope. Like this is it. This is the moment that Brad's life changes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's really, it's it's really not, it it really is sort of, uh, you know, the, the celebration is, what little celebration we get is overshadowed by the weird uh, human centipede conga line that the team makes, and then <laughs> it's really distracted from by the stinger, which comes next, and yeah. just sort all right, of... well, let's go to the stinger. So, they're on tool time, they're wearing the jumpsuits, Tim is ranting about how much he hates having had his tools away and had having had his tools taken away and how much he hates being forced to dress like a banana. So in a show of defiance, he rips off his jumpsuit and Heidi rips hers off as well. Al refuses to take his off, so Tim insists and rips off Al's jumpsuit to reveal that Al is wearing nothing under his jumpsuit except boxer shorts and then like a kind of square of flannel around his neck to make it look as though he's wearing a flannel shirt underneath his the partially unzipped top yeah. of his jumpsuit which is so there's mysterious a term for that. there's a there's, there's a, a term for, what's that term there's a i don't i don't, I don't know i'm not so to, not so caught up on my fashion knowledge that i know what the term is but uh, the, uh, women it does you know when there's like low cut dresses they'll wear something like that sometimes or uh, even back in the day, like the fake collars and stuff that people would wear, um, you would get your collar pressed. Your collar would be completely separate from your shirt. Wow. I mean, okay. I, I so and I'm talking like old timey, like 1920s, 1910s, 1800s. Nineteen eighteen hundreds. The nineteen eighteen hundreds. That's yeah. uh, yeah, so so uh, like ten thousand years in the future or something. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, he, go back there. That well, look. You know, Al loves a good throwback to the eighteen hundreds, and he also uh, has a forward-looking style. Looking forward to the nineteen eighteen hundreds. So, um, <laughs> I, 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 it makes it. I don't know. It just. I, I mean, I guess. I guess I'm happy to see some Al beefcake shots. Uh, so I guess yeah. it's a little something for the ladies, right? Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, the gag itself is is what it is. We've mm-hmm. seen it before. Uh, you know, this time it's Tim tearing his clothes off and not a lathe, but uh, it's all the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, finish repetitive, I guess. That's uh, that's another lesson we get as we draw this one to a close. Well, speaking of repetitiveness, uh, we play a game here on this show. Not a game. We have a corner, and yeah. in that corner, we play a game. Yes, uh, much like my childhood. <laughs> Jesus, that was dark. Uh, who are you, me? Uh, we we play basically I character- am is what we've learned on this show. <laughs> uh, we visit character actor corner where we meet 
all of the character actors in the episode. Yep. And today we have five. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe that reaction. It's just just a lot of character actors to learn about uh, here 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 at hour 2 of the podcast. But you know what? I well, want to I want to find out about all of them. You know what? You nailed the title game for the Chulipa Challenge, which is the one time only back on the table. Never again are we going to do this. You've got five character actor corners, five ER games to play. Let's get to it. Let's first talk about um, how about the doctor, Dr. Oh. Hennessy, Steve, Steve Vinovich. Okay. Sounds, sounds like a smooth and uh, classy brown liquor. I thought he might have been the doctor previously. He's not. This is a whole new doctor. Oh, wow. Um, he was also a doctor eh? mm? in the Santa Claus. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you remember when he's getting, you know, yeah, you know, no, he pug, go, pug, go, pops goes, in the stomach? Yeah, go, he goes to the doctor and is like, yo, what's what's going on with this? And the doctor's like, I don't know, Santa magic, I guess. So this is that doctor <laughs> who says Santa magic. Yeah. yeah. It's Santa magic, doctor. Uh, he... One of his first credits is Weekend with the Babysitter playing Snitch. Mm. Um Oh yeah, okay, maybe maybe we're in a little tricky area here cuz there's uh there's another one called Jennifer on my mind, Call her mom and then the Sexpert. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, that that so a tricky area. We all know what Landon thinks yeah. is tricky. <laughs> uh but in the Sexpert, he is playing brain surgeon. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, the brain is the largest erogenous zone, Landon. Surely you know this. <laughs> uh, okay. He was on an episode of Three's Company, Remington Steel. Uh, cheers. Huh? He played High Sultan. Okay. In 1986. Do you remember that episode? I, I don't remember any High Sultans being on Cheers, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure they handled it very, very appropriately. Uh, episode of Tales from the Dark Side. He was in the movie Mannequin. Uh, an episode of L.A. Law. Uh, he was on an episode of Perfect Strangers. Webster, Roseanne. Wait a minute. Roseanne and Webster were on the... T they were on air at the same time? I guess they were. If this guy that was on both of them. blows my brain. Wow. He was on an episode mm. of... The largest Matt erogenous Rock. zone, after all. Yeah. <laughs> and it blew me. Um, gonna move on from that. <laughs> Good idea. Smart, smart thinking. It's in the Penny Marshall movie Awakenings, Married with Children. Oh my God, Truman! I can keep going. Deep Space Nine, step by step. But we have five other character yeah, actors, yeah, so, so yeah, I'm not maybe... gonna say that he was in Family Matters and Picket Fences and no, Ellie McBeal and King not of the Hill. Say that. It's great that you said that you're not gonna say that because no. then we get we get the best of both worlds. King of the Hill, yeah, though, exactly, that's a good show. Because you don't want you don't want to know that he was on uh, Jag or Chicago Hope. Uh, or touched by an angel. Yeah, that's or eight true. simple rules. I don't want it. I don't. I don't want that knowledge. It's not so much about the knowledge as the amount of time it takes to accrue the knowledge. But hey, you know what? We're here. We're in it. We're finishing strong. Um, well, I'm trying to give you as much data as you need to make the decision as to whether or not, with 111 credits, this gentleman was on ER. I'm gonna if say this gentleman was on ER. I'm gonna say that he was on ER with that number of credits and with that volume of work in the '90s. It seems like he was on ER. In 1996, for two episodes, he played a character named Wayne Leniloff. Nice, Lane Leniloff. 
Wayne Leniloff. Wayne Leniloff. Cousin, cousin of David Benioff, co-writer of Game of Thrones. Uh, so, what's next? <laughs> okay, who do we have next? Uh, next coming to the plate is Fred Sanders. That is the scout. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He goes back to 1986. Uh, oh, he was in Sea of Love with Al Pacino. Oh, it was an episode of Seinfeld and Candyman, the movie, mm. uh, playing cop. Oh, he. Was in Mary with Children, Designing Women, Murphy Brown. Ooh, he's reprising his cop character in a movie you love called The Shadow. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I am a fan of The Shadow. Although I should, I should say, middle school me was a fan of The Shadow, and and we'll <laughs> okay. see if if thirty four year old me has all of the same feelings about it I did then. <laughs> Uh, episode of Empty Nest, Murder She Wrote, The John Larquette Show, Ned and Stacy, Mad About You. Mm. Oh man, with sixty-two credits, uh, including Just Shoot Me, Malcolm in the Middle, The West Wing, Will and Grace. Was he on an episode of ER? Was he on NYPD Blue? Oh, uh, let's take a look, shall we? NYPD. Not found. Mm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say yes, he was on ER, though. You've let us down. Ah, How dare you? Damn it. The West Wing. Chalupas are off the channel. Forever. No more ever again. Finish week. have a Chalupa. Finish week. Finish week. Yeah, yeah. Chalupas are banned. We finish consistently, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're just constantly a disappointment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, welcome. Now you're on our level, just being constantly disappointed (laughs) by the, and and also, (laughs) at least on my parents' level, constantly being disappointed by uh, what I'm up to. Uh, So, okay. Sorry, sorry, everybody, Uh, go on. The coach, uh, who we see briefly on the field, Stephen Barr, is playing coach. Mm-hmm. He has 91 credits going back to the miniseries V, uh, which I love mm. and was terrified of as a child. L.A. Law, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man playing Clellan, Beverly Hills, 90210, Criminal Mind, Jag, Pacific Blue, uh, Team Knight Rider. What's that? Mm. Interesting. Uh, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. X-Files. Was he on ER? Gonna say no. Eh. Oh, man, really blowing it now. 2003, <laughs> playing construction foreman. Okay, well, that's... You know what? Hey, look, I can't I can't lose any harder than I already am. That's true. Yeah. But let's not let it reflect the excitement for celebrating character actors, because we have two more. No, not uh, at all. Lastly, we have... Or not lastly. <laughs> Second to lastly. Yes, there we are. Penultimately lastly. Uh, David Reavers is playing um, Trainer, the guy in the tent that is dis- making Brad make his last decision. Cool. He has 50 credits. One of them is a really kind of odd sci-fi movie called The Circle. Not the one with uh, Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. Um all my children, Malcolm X, uh, Felicity, City of Angels, Ally McBeal, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 24. He has 50 credits. Is one of them Jag? Uh, one of them is not Jag, nor is one of them ER. One of them is Jag, one of them is not ER. Okay, well, we, I, I think the buzzer should only be used for ER, but that's fine. The Jag game is a new thing. 
<laughs> um, lastly, we have the receptionist at the physical therapist's office. A little actress, uh, and I say that because she was very short. Um, yeah, Janine Garoppolo. Has anything to do with anything. Bridget Cameron. Bridget Cameron has four credits. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read all four. Okay. I guess the the ER game's off the table for this one. Yeah. Um, you tell me if uh if you can maybe peg all the pieces together. We're at, we're at trivia night now, and Fun. the the ultimate round the the thing of this round is what do all these things? What clue do these all lead you toward? Ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Bridget Cameron stars in an episode of Full House. Home Improvement, The Farmer and the Bell, colon, Saving Santa Land, hmm. and Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Oh, it's something about God, isn't it? Perhaps the Kirk Cameron of it all? This is Bridget Cameron we're talking about. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, is this Kirk Cameron's wife? <laughs> it's his sister. Oh, Still bad. Oh, man. Well, that's a shame. Ugh. She is the sister to Kirk Cameron and Candace Cameron Buer. I didn't know they were. Is Candace Cameron related to Kirk Cameron? I Well, the IMDb seems to think they are, I guess. Candace Cameron, from, DJ from Full House. Wow. I didn't uh, watch Full House. So. has had some very controversial issues uh, uh opinions lately mm, mm. well you know that's uh, jesus will do that to you if they i her older brother is kirk cameron holy shit i'm learning this on air wow mm -hmm. wow uh, you know the big time revelations this is the stuff you tune in for it's appointment podcasting really <laughs> you also turn into uh you tune into kirk cameron for revelations okay <laughs> that is our character actor corner for <laughs> this week. Because <laughs> Revelations is a book of the Bible. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. Uh, <laughs> Truman. What do we learn from this episode? Uh, we learned that, uh, you know, you should listen to your body, uh, but that also you shouldn't, I don't know, you shouldn't get too hung up on and on getting an athletic scholarship to school because they the, the, the schools milk so much out of you in that time. And, and the fact that you get a free education out of it is really a pittance compared to what you're doing for them. Although at the same time, I understand if you need the money, I guess that's your best shot because it co I, what we what we learned is that higher education is broken and we need to fix it. Put an hour on the clock. OK, here we go. What did you starting learn? now? <clears throat> I learned that sometimes you work for a corporation. Wow. And in <laughs> under working for that corporation, you're going to have to abide by certain mandates. Yeah. And you can resist. You can suggest. You can even protest and strike. That That's all. That's, that's all I learned. That's it. I mean, that's that you. That, that's on the table. You can do that if you want to. I yeah, okay. I oh, this is this is uh this is news news to me. Uh, week two at my new job, I can uh, I can go on strike <laughs> if I want to. Oh, I see. You're talking about you're talking about uh, Tim and Benford and everything. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I would I would be. That's like the first labor action I wouldn't support is uh, Tim Taylor going on strike because he's 
not allowed to use non-company branded tools on the company sponsored TV show. But <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that one's not going to cross uh, union lines. Uh, that that one, I would I would cross the picket lines for that one if they wanted to hire me to host a tool show. Because again, I know about as much about the subject as Tim. Um. <laughs> Well, that leaves us with just one last thing, which is the grunt count. Uh? Exactly. No chalupas on the table. It doesn't matter at all. How many grunts do you think there were in this episode? Well, I I was waiting for a a grade on my grunt. Oh, a a grunt grade? Do it again. Yeah. Okay. I I, I give you a perfect one, and you ask for another. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Now my head's in the game, like Brad in the first half of this. Exactly, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh? It was a little weak. It was a little weak, but, you know, okay, I, right. it's still a solid B. Uh? Uh? Ooh. They're no. going, they're, honestly, they're going further afield, man. You got one more to, to make it Are they really? Happen. Yeah, I, th- I think they are. Uh? That that one was good. That was that was a solid last okay. one. Okay. You know what? Okay, because I, I figured this out in the bathroom earlier. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys. That- we're... <laughs> Talk about I'm holding strong. it in my mouth too long. Okay, it's gotta it's gotta come directly from the throat out the mouth. Okay, okay, yeah, and and the bathroom was where you figured this out. Uh? Okay, that, that okay that one that one uh, that one didn't broke out the uh, that one didn't finish the uh, that one overloaded the uh, the 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 microphone on the phone a little bit. So that's how you know it's good. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say there are zero grunts in this episode. Uh, well, there were, in fact, three grunts in this episode. What? And you know what? This is the point when I would tell you when they were, but I think on the day that I watched the episode, I assumed, <laughs> oh, I'll remember where they happened. Uh, and so I didn't mar- mark down in my notes where the grunts happened. Wait, maybe it's when he first walks. I think it's when he first walks out and he's talking about uh, how they're going to work oh, the on the car. car. Yeah, with all of yeah, the tools. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that when it was. Sense. And I don't care to check. So, um... <laughs> You know, take my take one week ago me's word for it, everybody. Uh, I am happy to do so. Um, interesting. Okay, three grunts. Seems like we've had an uptake in grunts uh, at the, the last breath of this season. Yeah, yeah. I think their their death rattle is a grunt. It sounds like a <laughs> dope ass name for an album. I'll tell you what. Uh, interesting. Okay, great. Yeah. Well. Um, I'm gonna put my thinking cap on for the remaining episodes with these grunts and and <laughs> see if we can't really squeeze some sort of epiphany out of all this nonsense we've yeah, been d- doing for seven years. That's that's what we're doing on grunt work, just squeezing out epiphanies one after another. <laughs> that's how you make an epiphany; you just squeeze it out. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll think about it next time I'm in the bathroom. And no, <laughs> guys, please. This is why we shouldn't. This is why we shouldn't do episodes that go past the two-hour mark, man. We get to this point. This just total. This is that we're in the same mind space as Tim Allen, being like, "Up, oh, show's almost over. Smell my finger. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go jerk it to a manatee picture in a dictionary. Like this is the kind of this is the kind of shit that we're doing. <laughs> you know, I'm picturing it in my head, and I can see you. If you were forced to lip sing a song. <laughs> For grunt work, you might put the same amount of effort that Tim Allen did. I, and yeah, because that and that would be good enough, you know. That I I I, we, I I made the joke before, but I am become Tim, destroyer of podcasts. I guess. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, if all of this nonsense sounds good to you, if this is why you tune, you're like you you thirty se- seconds skip this whole episode just to get to 
the disintegration of our mind part of this. Our mind uh, part. The largest erogenous you... zone is disintegrating right now. <laughs> you can help support us on Patreon. Uh, become a sponsor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> finishing week. Finishing weaker oh, than we've ever God. finished. If you enjoyed this show and want to help us uh, become a become a gr- official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Uh, your your donation, which can be as little as $1, not only gets you access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes, but it'll help uh, transition us into the next project, which we've got slated Ooh. and we will be announcing soon. Um, so stay tuned for that and help us, uh, by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for as little as a dollar, you can get away. I already did that. Uh, stop by to say hi to us on Instagram, basically just there or join our discord. Yeah. Uh, we talk to people there sometimes or send us an email, uh, gruntworkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, our Instagram stuff is gruntworkpod. What else? Uh, uh, we got a website. Yeah. Oh, on Apple podcasts. Yeah. On, on podcatchers apple podcasts and other other places uh the website you said yeah Yeah, our brand new patron backed patreon backed website which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can uh uh you know what people are now that it's on disney plus people are finding the show oh no and They're starting, and I'm like, we don't have any of our bonus episodes. <laughs> Did I go through this last week? I, you you, ma- I you mentioned like I... that there are people who are marathoning it with none of our bonus episodes, so we yeah. gotta <laughs> got to get our house in order, man. <laughs> we do, we do. Uh, so I feel bad for those people, uh, but the the bonus episodes will be up soon. Um, and I guess until next week when we bring you episode 24 of season 8 of Home Improvement, I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, and remember, be a goldfish. <laughs>